dude, I was at every Golden Moose Award show that you were winning. Like I was there, I was in the stands, mm. right? I was, I was watching it. It was it was the heyday. There's a drunk guy in the back. Yeah, I was in the back. <laughs> I was like, call Chris Brackett, boo, <laughs> full metal Brackett. <laughs> The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Deer Grow. Heck yeah, man. Dude, we put a lot of food in the ground every year, you know, seemingly more and more, and uh, we have a ton of fun with it during the off-season. Uh, there's some struggles that come with it too, though, right? Obviously, the back of my truck is evidence, you know, right now. It's mm-hmm. a couple of weeks after uh, I jackknifed, you know, a 4,800-pound uh, material spreader, you know, as I was coming down, and it's just it was too much weight for my truck there. But, you know, all those struggles aside, you know, dude, Deer Grill really has been a staple for our food plotting process uh, for several years now. Yes, we like to put lime and fertilizer on the plots, you know, if we can, but there are some that it's just we're not able to get to them or it's not feasible for us to get out of state with that stuff and so deer grow is kind of the, the quick and easy but still super effective option for us to be able to get the most out of those food plots that we can every year yeah, and i mean we're guilty of over analyzing things just like everyone else but that's the best part about deer grow is that it's going to create healthier soils which in turn makes better food plots and the fact is is we can simply spray plot start or plot till when we put the seed in the ground and then when that plant starts to grow we hit it with boost we know that we walk away when we come back it's going to be a great looking food plot for anybody that's looking to try deer grow if you use the code hunter15 that's h-u-n-t-r-1-5 at checkout for deergrow.com and save 15 percent on any of your deer grow products it's a great way to get started on this and just see what the results are for yourself better food plots bigger deer does monday at the office feel like a storm not with microsoft copilot that feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're back. Hey-o. On our podcast, episode 161, as Nick keeps us in line. Thanks, Nick. Nice job. I'll do my part here. Do your part. Yeah. Hey, thank you guys for listening, uh, wherever you're at, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you guys listening, uh, sincerely. And uh, if you want to take a minute, uh, subscribe to our channel, again, wherever you're listening. Uh, leave us a comment, uh, you know, like our stuff, whatever. Jeremy and I do see that from time to time. You know, we're trying to be diligent about reading stuff. I know it's it's tough uh, to respond to everybody, but uh, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you listening, and uh, so thank you. Yeah, we answer a lot of direct messages through Instagram. We're trying, man. You can hit us on the website. Like, we answer, I answer those, our email inquiries directly and our uh you know instagram you know we, we, try. we, we try we try if it's short you know we're sorry but it's it's you know we're, we're trying There's to get a, meaning, a meaningful response back to everybody that we can so yep uh today is december 7th pearl harbor is it 1941 how did you know that off the top of your head yeah. <laughs> committed to memory i feel like that was a history lesson that was like really beat into us in like high school and stuff pearl harbor day wow. december 7th 1941 did you get off school for it no i think we might have no, we didn't get off no? the Pearl. Where we live in Hawaii? I got off like Columbus Day. <laughs> Jeez. Well, yeah, Christopher Columbus. How's that any better or worse? I don't know. 
or I significant, know. I guess. Yeah. No, I didn't get off school. But, yeah, mm. December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, we're kind of – it's been weird. Like, we've kind of been waiting for this late season, and it's been warm. Yeah. Well, I had a, a dying ambition of back to Kansas for a minute there, and I it's just like a 50-degree stagnant line. Uh, Gun like season just ended there. Through the end like of the maybe month. today. I don't know. Yeah. Or tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't tracking that, but I, that that's kind of I was looking for a window there, and I was like in between that, and I still have an Ohio tag in my pocket. So good weather here this Next, coming week. Yep. So I mean, I'm gonna I've got you know the big bean field. That's what I planted it for. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some four year olds still hanging, which is encouraging for this time of year. They didn't know die, so, but they it didn't is no die. Huh? It is a dilemma of like, man, do I go hunt them or do I sure. just like fully embrace the fact that they could live at this point? Do you have any five year olds still alive? Not on my property. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got yeah. one on one of Jed's. Yeah, the tight rack. I'd be stoked. Yeah. I'd be stoked That's with good him. Good luck to go after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know, even next week though, it's like what thirties and forties. Like it, it's still not like a significant. It's high thirties as a high. Is it? Yeah, I mean, it's okay. not like it's not cold, cold, but it's colder than it's been. Start to push them to the food. Yep, and it's consistent. So the whole week, like Saturday, we, we get this rain. Saturday or Sunday, mm-hmm. a lot of rain, uh, like an inch, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then yeah, steady cold. So we've been looking for. I mean, that that's what it comes down to now is like food, late season, yep. and that that seems to be the push that we're looking for at this point. So, um, we'll jump right in. Right? Well, wait. Let's let's give a bit of an intro here. Okay. Okay. We have a guest today. We've got a we've got a cool guest, <laughs> uh, a really cool one that we've got some very some recent history with. It's taken a little bit of like. T- to be honest, like, we're probably like, boy, do, do we have this guy on? Like, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. you know, I hate the platforming conversation. I hate when people are like, why would you guys give this guy a platform? Oh, I do too. I'm like, that's, that's bullshit. I want to hear him talk. I want to talk to them. The guys are, intri- get to know them. The, there are guys out there that I'm just intrigued by. I'm like, you know, f- for whatever reason, it's their story, it's their personality, you know, or both in a lot of cases, it's like, I'm just, I'm interested in certain, I really want to hear where these people are coming from. You just have to wonder. It's like, okay, like what, you know. What's this guy doing? Or, or like, I've now seen him come back out and do some stuff. It's like, yeah. we should talk to them because it sure seems like they have same the same passions we have here. Yeah. And so so we took some initiative on this one. I kind of reached out on Instagram or whatever. T- turned out he's got a, a place near to our farm in Illinois. We ended up hooking up, having drinks for That's funny. Um, a couple hours. And I was like, dude, we, we should do this. Mm-hmm. And so it's you saw the title already if you clicked on the videos. Chris Brackett is our guest for today. Boom. <laughs> From, and he can correct me, Fear No Evil. Fear No Evil. Yeah, uh, Arrow Affliction. Arrow Affliction, you know, multitude of shows. Like, at, at one time, uh, some of the, you know, the biggest shows on, on oh, the Chris outdoor channel. Chris even said it in the, in the kind of pre-pod here. He's like, he's like he's an old G- OG. An OG. And it Live, very much live through, as you've heard us talk about with, like, Jay, Jay Gregory and the juries and stuff. Like, the, the heyday of the, of the TV hunting industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Chris is an entertainer for sure. And yeah, frankly, uh, I'm excited to kind of hear some of that. Is like the, the guy lived through the heyday of the industry and TV side, and like I'm sure it was wild. Yeah, yeah, and we can't you know brush it under the rug. Like, dude, a lot of people either for the first time or for the last time heard about Bracket from like the you know the quote unquote po- the poaching incident or like the unicorn bug, the Indiana scandal, all of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember, dude, when that was going down, we were in Kansas, right? It was that third week yeah, in November, and yeah. we were like, couldn't believe. We're like, mm-hmm. holy shit! Like, I could, to anybody, I can't believe this is happening to, to somebody. And um, so it's cool. I think now that some time has passed, and like, I personally love a redemption story. Um, 
And yeah, I so, think Chris is doing some pretty cool shit right now. So yeah, yeah. that that's what I think excited to kind of hear his journey because, I mean, like, why not? Like, see where this guy has come from and then to, you know, what what is he into now? I think a lot of people, you know, are really intrigued that have followed along, you know, outdoor television and entertainment for so long to be like, what is Chris Brackett into right now? What's he doing? He'll get a kick out of this because he's listening here to our intro. I'm <laughs> sure he's like, you know, dying to not be able to chime in here. Just we'll, we'll bring in in a minute here, Chris. But um, when I reached out to Chris on Instagram, it was like, it was one of those things I was like, I mean, what the, what the heck? You know, sure. Like, well, it could easily have been like, yeah, get bent, guys. Well, <laughs> so it, tri- and I, we, we talked about this. We had a good laugh over it. Is I, whatever, I was like, hey, you know, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to, you know, get to know you a little bit or something. And he gave me a very crisp, brackety answer, like a, <laughs> You don't know how many people are pursuing, you know, <laughs> all the way down this line. And it's it just, you know, a front, basically. And yeah. I was this close to being like, whatever, dude, yeah. get, get bad. Like, <laughs> and fortunately, we both had like the wherewithal or, or something in us. We're like, you know, got us to a point where we're like, we should make this. We should make this happen. Yeah. Let's 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 have this conversation. And I'm so glad that we did, because I, I think I think a lot of Chris at this point, you know, mm-hmm. just in a few hours of conversation that we've had. And uh, he's a he's a very nice, genuine person. Uh, he shoots it straight just like we do. And so I'm excited for for you all to experience this conversation. Without further ado, bringing Chris Brackett. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me. No, the cool part about uh, the front, as you call it, is the wall. You know, yeah, I don't trust anybody. I sure as heck don't trust anybody after the incident, right? So I can made you work for a little bit. I mean, I've really had the Ranellas, the whatevers, the podcast. I don't listen to podcasts, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you do one and now, Chris. They all reached out, man. They reached out right immediately after Waddell was out spotting his mouth, trying to make it for his agenda, going, Oh, well, you know, Chris Brackett, and, da, da, da. and I just went, if anybody wants to talk to me, one, they're gonna have to wait till I've done serving my 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 time out. And then number two is is that they're just gonna have to show me who they are. I gotta do a little research anymore. So yeah. I liked what you guys were doing. I knew that you were younger, I knew that you were full of spirit and passion man just like uncle ted called when i called him the other day he was like i'm the greatest podcaster ever and that was like five minutes of my life the other night and i was like all right well maybe i can be number two you know so i think that's the adventure that we're on thanks for having me on guys yeah now why don't you have an e in your name me hunter right yeah h-u-n-t-r we figured it was taken i guess yeah too common of a word to uh file intellectual property over it's kind of a lazy like kind of it's cooler right it's kind of like a eh, hunter 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 i always wanted to ask that so now that's out of the way it's fun i like it i think there was a i think there was another fishing brand that inspired it along the way we're like oh it's kind of cool how you did that you know it's just kind of a shorter condensed it's cleaner it's cool sharp yeah it kind of just stuck dude it's What's it been? Through almost three years now. We three years in January. Holy cow! It's been about three years now, Chris. We've been cranking these one a week, every week, with some bonuses. Mm-hmm. I remember. I remember when I saw your clip and I went to like search it on Facebook because that's what I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, and I, I I literally typed it in a bunch of times and I couldn't figure it out until all of a sudden I realized R like you're Jared hunter er in my phone so i remember it in my brain that there's no e and when i talk to people you know <laughs> yeah, yeah i just talked to a bunch of guys today and i'm like listen you need to go listen to these guys podcasts they they love to be controversial but at the same time very intelligent i told jared that if if he wasn't selling land and doing this that he needs to be a uh, journalist because he asks the right questions and and he's just on it and i was like man this is fun yeah. like it's good to see passion <laughs> 
even if uh even if you guys don't like crossbows even if old people like me got bad shoulders after shooting a bow nine million times and i don't care you're still not shooting my deer on my property i'll blow them up with a a, a, a piece of tannerite if it's legal you know is if, if it's legal right so if it's if it's on my property it's gonna die by whatever means necessary as long as it's legal i'll hit them with a truck if it's legal man <laughs> you know and yeah. uh, i think that's the fun part about owning your land and being in america right yeah absolutely well, yeah, I appreciate the compliment about, you know, the, the reporter. He gave me a really nice compliment at his house. He's like, dude, you're like one of the best reporters I've ever, you know. It, dude, it's in my nature, and my, I'm sure my mom loved it growing up. But it's just like, I, inherently, I, I'm a rule breaker. And, I, and because of that, I want to question, I question everything. I'm like, well, well why? You know, and what, do you, and what do you mean? I'm like, I, I don't think that's right. I think I can do it this way. You know, there's, a, there's that Steve Jobs quote that mm-hmm. – uh, that you were a big fan, of. and I know our, our, you know our buddy Steve was a big fan of for a while. That kind of resonates with me to this day, which was that the world is created by people no smarter than you. Yes, man, it's like dude. If you, if, I, I just really love it, man. Yeah, I really love the fact that you guys are uncovering rocks. You guys have uh, a nostalgia about. I think I don't know. Maybe it's the Pennsylvania traditional type stuff. You know, like you guys, you guys are really asking some really good questions. Having me on. Uh, but more being intrigued by um, the new stuff, the old stuff, and like where baiting falls, where feeding falls, where different states and rulings and whatever. I mean, I think just asking the questions does so much for the world. And I, no one's ever seen this side of me. I don't, I don't, if I do podcasts, I put on my little my little TV act and do whatever. But uh, I, I am an old G, man. I used to sleep on uh hotel room floors and when i got my first first gold moose awards waddell tells about he's the hardest working guy in the industry he said in front of the entire uh the entire everybody at the the gold moose awards the outdoor channel awards and he's just like that's the hardest working guy ever and he said no i mean and uh and me and him wanted we were going to do a cage match because we hated each other there was a beef and this is after that this is after all of that man and uh he's got he's like man i watched this guy for five years sleep on people's floors in their hotel rooms and you know eat eat whatever whatever i had to peanut butter and jellies in my truck because i wanted to be in the industry be, the industry because of howard hill and you know fred bear and all people that were entertaining people but at the same time they were doing what they were great at and that's where i felt my my passion for what i wanted to do and i think you guys are on track with what you're doing and i just love it i just hats off to you that's awesome man you know chris part of us i think hopes that or thinks, I guess, that these discussions are happening a lot with other hunters. They're I just, know they are. There is no platform for them, right? So, like, I, almost, I know they are. That's why that's why it's resonating. That's why <laughs> we're getting any traction. Well, dude, we don't want to be contra. It's not like we set out to be controversial. Like, hey, let's highlight on topics like crossbows and baiting. It's just like inherently, you know, because of our passion for the sport and the issues that we're experiencing in states that we hunt. It's just like boy, we're too young and I've got too much invested in the future of like our careers as deer hunters to like, just let it die. And so, yeah, we're, we're guilty. I think of harping on some of that stuff a lot, but I, I'm, it's cause we, we, there's no solution yet. And I'm hopeful <laughs> that we can inspire change, you know, at least by conversation. You know, if we, if we can be having these conversations, like our last podcast was with Mike Rex, the chairman of the Ohio wildlife council, the guy who sits over seven other people who together make decisions about bait or no bait in Ohio. And I'm, like yeah, I saw a little bit of that. What a huge conversation to have, even if like he's not going to just say, "Oh, Jared, Jeremy don't want it." Let's here we go. Right. But 
if we can have those conversations and, and pe- the dude looked good for like 60 something years old oh, right? Yeah. Like oh, he was stud yeah yeah absolute beast Kill- <laughs> right i looked at him he's like well i'm of whatever age and i was like <laughs> He's doing something right. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and me, it, me. It, as soon as I got in trouble, man, my beard turned white. I gained like forty <laughs> pounds, and I just was like, "Stress is a real deal." Uh, funny my, enough, my, all of a sudden, everything that everything had been Superman and being Batman in my life it was like my shoulders gave out. Everything, but but the government coming at you, man, is a big deal. The government coming at you, and you losing ninety nine percent of the people that you thought were your friends, and you thought that were paying your bills and sponsoring and this and that, and they, all they were there to do was just just shake it down ride the wave and they, yeah. they ride the wave and as soon as the the water got a little rough they were gone and they left you to die and everybody will leave you to die except for your mom remember me saying this if they if somebody grabs you and throw, holds you underwater you will do whatever to not drown and i understand that the rats will do that and they will and they will uh they will spout off whatever they have to to survive but your mom won't and that's about it man in your life and your mom and your wife second but everybody else they will not drown and they will give you up and then there's some of us that are just old school OG enough to go, you know what? The buck, the buck ends here, pardon the pun, but like it, it stops here and I'm not going to even talk about it. If you're going to come after my family, if you're going to come out, out after everything that I have that I've worked for and you don't even care about me as a person or the truth of what happened because at the end of the day, the incident, the Indiana poaching incident, I killed two deer but they don't know about the third one in the whole story of things because nobody cared all they wanted to do is send me to jail they wanted to send me to jail they want to have somebody knock off high horse they wanted somebody that could whatever at, at a certain time was you know uh top of the industry my butt had five or six uh there was five or six people that were the top of the industry that were fan favorites it was ted nugent jim shockey my my dumb ass and uh at Waddell and then give give or take whoever that next person was and man I was 20 something years old living the life I didn't pay myself I didn't didn't pay myself I, I paid other people and I just lived the life man I lived out of my truck and I killed everything on the planet killed more stuff than a veterinarian bro and I was ready to do uh and just ride it I didn't know how long it would go but um I love it I mean, I, I want to tell you guys whatever. So you have free reign right now to ask me whatever you want, whatever direction for the next couple hours to go. And uh, shout out to the the Hunter podcast crew out there that are listening. Um, I I just think this podcast thing done correctly, the way you guys are doing it, is the wave of the future. It really is. It's a way to educate. It's a way to talk to men about their generational sin and and. Uh, talk about real stuff and it's fun to talk about the stuff that you are talking about about what is going on in camps across the country outfitters and in in uh, garages across the country drinking bush light in the midwest and i don't know what beer you're drinking out there in pa maybe some yingling or something and uh these conversations are happening you guys are taking them to the you guys are taking them to the masses going let's discuss it if and if we don't even accomplish anything in ohio you know, uh, doesn't change baiting or feeding laws or one buck for non-resident and two bucks for resident in Illinois or whatever that happens. I think just having the conversations means that we're at least, um, at least we, you know, punted the football. Yeah, we're yeah. trying to, you know, we're trying to have a conversation. We're trying to, to get people to talk. I mean, there's nothing in this country that's ever turned out well without some sort of debate, some sort of questioning, some sort of back and forth. I mean, the fact that if we're all going to just sit here and shut our mouths, nothing's going to get accomplished. Well, it's, it's hard to hide behind a three-hour conversation. I mean, th- there's a reason Joe Biden's not been on a podcast, right? Because, like, <laughs> imagine what would happen. It's like everybody would know. 
Yeah. You know, and so right. I've got a lot of respect for people that will, you know, have the uh, the balls basically to get on a on this kind Not of a great. format and have an open and honest conversation. And I mean, yeah, you know, pe- people, uh, you know, Mike, Mike Rex is one of them, you know, admittedly, I think he's got a, a, a place of, you know, a, a position of power politically. And like he's got there's stake- a filter there. stakeholders to please. And there's a filter that's up and, and, and we get it. You know, but we hope that by, I mean, Jeremy and I clearly don't have one, right? <laughs> you know, or as little as we can. I mean, we're biased about some issues and stuff, but, you know, we, uh, so anyways, yeah, I admire a lot that you would come on and uh, open format. So, so Chris, let me, let me ask a question. Cause uh, I think you started off there in a, in a good spot, <clears throat> you know, obviously kind of being one of these OGs in the heyday of the industry, you know, I've, I've been in the industry for a long time on the kind of the back end, the marketing side. And I've talked to a lot of producers who, frankly, to my face, would tell me that, um, you know, they were an entertainer. That that's what they did. They mm-hmm. they were an entertainer. That's how they got paid. And inherently, you know, my, I guess my questioning is around like, do you do you do it because you're an entertainer and you make money, or do you do it because you love hunting and you love the outdoors? To that question, it's really easy. Let me let me give you guys a real on the inside looking out and then being the way I was, mm-hmm. which was different in every format and every way, even in my life, even from uh, this conversation is as real as it's going to get it looking at me. People that have broke bread with me or or went to war in the trenches with me, you know, essentially in, in life, um, they know me like this. They know that they can only handle three days of crisp bracket, maybe three hours, but you better be ready because it's full throttle. I mean, it's full metal bracket. That's what we were going to call the podcast. But what you're saying is so true. You have two pieces. You have, you have on one hand, you have the people that hunt that want to go, dude, I'm making $37,000 a year. I'm making maybe 70,000 welding, whatever. I want to go figure out how I can go get paid to hunt. Mm-hmm. And those are the guys like, uh, you know, back in the day when you had HS, Hunter Specialties and Primetime, um, I, I, I can still probably recite to you most of the words uh, of all the all the VHS tapes, of all the Primetimes, of all the Monster Bucks, but Primetime is my favorite. And, you know, you had guys like, uh, I forget Mitch, Mitch's last name, but you had these guys from Minnesota, kind of oh, partners yeah. of Lee's and Likowski's and stuff, those guys that started back in the day. And then those guys were my friends. And these guys were just hired killers. They would have to kill five or to seven deer between what they just had to be mature. They just had to be big deer and they had to be in them dang giant cedars of Iowa. And they were paid. X amount of number of dollars, the dream job. They all had businesses, but they had the dream job of five to seven deer that they went and killed and they sucked on TV, but they were stone cold, stone faced, nothing but the facts killers. And that's where they were hired. They never wanted to, they never wanted to rock the boat or, and take somebody's marketing job. They never wanted to do any of that. They just wanted to kill the five or six deer mm-hmm. and they wanted to hand in that footage and they wanted to get paid act and they were hired killers. Then you had people like, uh, you know, Randy Birdsong and these guys that were on the old Extreme Whitetail DVDs with Miles Keller in and everything did. And that's where, you know, that's where Don and Candy really shined. And all of those guys were doing all their things. Well, those were still hired killers. None of them were actually hires entertainers. And then you, you never, what happened with me was you didn't, I loved killing stuff, man. I, I love, I still love it two does that are hanging that I'm getting ready to cut up and I invite a folks I don't know to come over here and help me cut up, learn how to do meat and take it home. But 
and and that's one of them things from biblical point of view that you don't show one hand what the other one is doing. I'm just telling you simple facts, but those are the kind of things I love to do pour in because I don't have kids to teach, right? And on the other side of what you're saying is on the entertaining side is you have the entertainers that you still have a man. They're the ones that um, they dance the dance. They like the fancy stuff. They like, they just like fa the fancy side of it. And they were entertainers. And, and those people, both sides of that, you never actually got to know them. Mm -hmm. None of them spent 11 days in Harrisburg putting up with the Harrisburg uh, <laughs> crap that would get in your lungs. And, and, you know, me, I, I loved, I loved being at every trade show, whether it was the Illinois deer Turkey classic, the Wisconsin deer and Turkey classic, man, since I was 18 years old and was skipping school to go be at these, be there at nine o'clock when those doors opened, I loved being there and people and whatever that was in that room, that's what I wanted. And so for me, it didn't have anything to do with entertaining didn't have anything to do with uh, even hunting or being famous or anything. I just wanted to be in that energy of these new creative products at the very beginning of everything going on and, and being developed at that time. And there was so many times where I would buy from S and P sense with uh, whatever, whatever his name was, uh, his name was Scott and he had a deer farm and he was collecting piss that ran down these troughs. And I would buy the piss from him, you guys fresh and take it there and lose money that I didn't have, you know, back in, you know, this is back in 1995, 1998, I would buy this, this deer piss and I would take it there and I would sell them and I would still lose money. Like I just wanted to be in and around it. Not that I had the greatest uh, deer pee or that I had this. I just, I wanted to be in the same room i still have in the other room a card that the first time i ever went to shot show i had uh, i had a card that said my name and said um it said videographer and it said um something else that was just very vague and had my phone number on it and i have a mule deer printed on it he saw it on my fridge and i handed it to people and i said my name is chris brackett uh just remember my name and one day we're going to work together one day we're going to work together and we'll know each other and just just remember my name and that's how I met every person that would that would stop in an aisle and meet me. And so, you know, going through my entire career of Aerofliction, Fear No Evil, Top Shot, Sons of Gun, Discovery Channel, History Channel, all these things that I did, and then doing 27 national shows in two years on the Outdoor Channel, winning Lee and Tiffany their first Gold Moose Award. When people go, is he really an OG? And is he an entertainer? Is he a killer? Man, I love to do it all and I still will kill anything and go anywhere with y'all as long as we're not going to either, we're either going to bro out on a hunt, which is what you guys kind of love about camps doing the dad thing in yes. Kansas or, or, or you're going to just be in Illinois and, and hunt whatever bucks are rolling on that property and rolling through that, that beautiful property you guys got in Illinois. And uh, I mean, the, those are what really separates the outlook of what the crap you got going on. When you look at the, industry and even now a guy could come to me right now and i could sit in this room right now and i could write him 10 episodes i could write him exactly how to shoot the episode i could tell him how we're going to edit it i could tell him how we're going to do the pilot how we're going to buy the airtime and how you're going to buy it from mitch petrie and, and programming and how you're going to do this or the internet or whatever i can write you those episodes just like i did josh bomar at deer asset classic over 10 years ago when he said i want to be a superstar my wife's got all these things my wife's got all this uh uh, all these uh, uh, followers for our, our nutrition. This is one angle. We're taking this. We're taking this to the next level with social media. And I was like, I, 
I got like a hundred thousand people organically, but I don't even know what this social media is, but I can tell you how to produce a piece of content that they are going to love and watch. And it's going to be controversial. And if you do it, you're going to win. You're going to win as far as what you want as millions of people following you. And he took it to the, he, he took it past where I think you should take it. That's a whole nother opinion, but that's my opinion. And I, I got him on my phone. I got a million texts and I tried to help him through his whole poaching incident and all of this stuff. And then he just turned into whatever, man. I don't know. Steroids get to you. I don't know if he's on steroids. Allegedly, he could be just drinking uh, pancake birthday, pancake, um, whatever that protein is. But I don't know much about the that. I'm fat and old. I don't know what that is. You'd know about that, Jared. Like a little you're, bit. You a got, little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. got the guns on you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jared straight guns. I'm more of a tractor supply, like, uh, you know, frozen water type kind of guy. But, well, dude, I'll tell you, the one of the things that, like, to, to answer your question, too, like, dude, when I pulled into Chris Brackett's driveway, like, first of all, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm getting into here. Well, and um, I mean, you've been in the, you, you work for me, so you've been in the industry. You've seen some oh, yeah. of the behind the scenes Well, stuff. and so, but to your question about, are you a hunter or are you an entertainer? When I pulled into Chris Brackett's driveway, the telephone pole at the end of the road is, is rubbed to a pulp, and it's, <laughs> you can't see the house because it's hidden behind, like, six or seven foot tall, beautifully maintained CRP fields. <laughs> well, and, switch grass and switch Scantus, like you can't see right, right. him back here. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And so when you pull in, like the front yard is brassica. It's a brassica field. <laughs> I'm like, where's the grass, bro? You know, but it's just basically yeah. right into the Brassicas, food plot. alfalfa, clover, uh, sorghum, and corn are all within like you don't run. You almost run over it on the driveway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like throughout the evening, you know, it's like we're, we're getting to know each other. He's like, oh, there, there's my two doe fonts. You know, their mom got hit the you know first day of gun season. And, you know, they live here. This is where this. It's like the the whole herd's accounted for and like. I'm like, okay, Chris likes to hunt yeah. a little bit. Yeah. You know? Well, and well, we, I really like to raise them. I mean, I drink them. their blood. Like, I'm not scared <laughs> of the kill part, yeah. you know, but but the fact is, is that I like watching little critters. And, and those ones that I get real close, like, I consider those, you know, we're after the big boys, all of us in this room. I don't yeah, know, sure. Nick Hunts or whatever, but we're all after the big boys. But you got to have the bait. You got, you know, you talk about corn being the bait. Well, sure. I got 45 does it that eat in the yard every day and i'm strategic about how we we don't we don't put them down you know the does i killed are on another farm that has to be maintained and that's a whole cool subject that i've never been into doe management i mean illinois is shoot a doe so the herd won't grow since 1987 and they've been they gave you tags and promoted it and then uh and, and then the hd hit and then everything everybody started killing everything and it's like uh i don't know where i fall on it I really don't know where I fall on the doe thing, but I do know that the park that one of my farms is next to has entirely too many because mm -hmm. I haven't shot any, well, for three years sitting out. But prior to that, uh, I can't remember the last time we shot a doe. And when your farmer says, this is this is an old Uncle Bubby rule. When the farmer says, man, we got too many deer. Listen, either you're going to do it or he's going to do it. Yeah. And if you're doing it, you're not going to kill the buttonheads. Right. So you might as well be the one knocking down the does. So that's what happened the other day. I'm like, I'm going out. Boom, boom, boom. They all started dying. It was really fun. No doubt. And I, I remember what I loved about hunting. Mm. Yeah. Well, your situation's like a little different and it definitely should be addressed on like a, a, a neighborhood by neighborhood. Even when I was sitting here at your kitchen Absolutely. counter, you're like, here's a thousand acre block. Here's what this can produce. Here's a thousand acre block. Here's what mm -hmm. this can produce. And that really yeah, look is at the 10,000 foot view. Yeah. And then you can break it down from the outside in. And then you just single file. You know, I had a conversation the other day about how many deer you're on your property. He's like, 15 every sit. And I'm like, you do know that those are the same 15 that are on your neighbors, right? In Illinois. And they just, I don't think people realize how, how small the deer herd is, really. Yeah. And especially this time of year, as you guys 
as we lose all the Russian olive and autumn olive and things like that, you can really see through the timber and you're yeah. really going to find out who's got the food and how many deer you actually have, you know, after the season. So yeah. what were you saying? We've been talking about that a lot yeah. recently. I mean, somebody bring to our mm. attention, like a statistic basically that said that the Illinois deer herd in total is down from the early nineties, like 40 or 50%. Uh, that's based off the harvest yeah, number and off the, I mean, have vehicle you, collisions. Deer vehicle collision. I mean, I, yeah, I and, haven't looked and, into, uh, go ahead. The DNR will lie to you, though. Okay. Like, like they will just absolutely put out these numbers. As we know, politically, they will put out the different numbers. But if if right now we don't have the technology with this thermal drone stuff that you guys talked to that one gentleman on, yeah. I, I know he's not even a hunter. I, I reached out to him as soon as I saw it because I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And <laughs> is it legal in Illinois? Instantly, the first time. First you're US talking about Mike Yoder? Yeah. And with that technology right there, yeah. you could do what Texas has been doing for plus years and truly take an aerial understanding. And we could fund it. Between Land Life and Hunter, you, we could take a block. I got the block. You guys got the block out there. We could take a block, and we could pay that guy in the offseason, completely legal, and they could go, and we could do a true testament to, let's start with Illinois. I mean, dude, I want to buy one. I like, I, I'm on. I'm on the fringe of buying one for this. reason. I assume they're going to, right? Like at the yes. state level, they're gonna. They're not. Though. Within the next no, year or two, they're they, gonna hire drones to do. They don't it. want. Not care. They don't want you to know. They do not. If they collect the data like that, then they don't want to have to tell you what the actual factual data is. That's why it's all the Bingo. estimates. Well, we're going to find out. I mean, dude, everybody's got a thermal drone now. I, did I tell you that my dad was like, oh, yeah, there's a guy at church. He, he bought one. He offered. Yeah. He's going to come do it for free it's, at our place. Yeah, I'm going to buy Let's one. Let's go. I was like, yeah, fine. great. It, it, I'd love to know. The only way that we're going to get factual data out there is this type of thing. We're going to have to go do it because the, the state isn't going to do it and tell you. Why don't you think? I love it, dude. Why don't you think <laughs> the state wants to know? I mean, just like anything. Oh. The, it, think of anything that they put out there becomes some sort of subjective discussion point. Your inference on the data they give you, they may say, hey, listen, there's plenty of deer out here. Look how many we found. And you may look at it and say, what are you talking about? That's that's no deer. And you think that's because they've got an agenda? Yep. Like, and so the numbers they're putting out are... <sighs> I don't know. I, no, I don't. I mean, everybody's got an agenda. Otherwise, we yeah. wouldn't get up in the morning. Yeah, sure. I don't. My think agenda it, was not to fight with my wife today, <laughs> and then make it into a creative state to get into this office while selling real estate and whatever. And it not, you know, we joke as a fight because yeah. uh, we're both still kids, man. Like we may be in our forties, but we're still children living together, trying to be married and been together for a long time. But like when we wake up in the morning, I my goal is not to fight with my wife about something. That's going to mess up my creativity and go, baby, you, you're like retired. Go do whatever. <laughs> go take care of the moms. And so my agenda every morning is to not fight with my wife, get something to eat, make my phone calls, do my stuff, and figure out some way to make an income and educate and, and do cool stuff every day because I'm not a grown-up. Like, I don't have any kids, mm -hmm. you know? And so uh, we have agenda. So the state has an agenda. Mm -hmm. What is it? No doubt. Is it, is it honorable? Is and it and does it require you to hide information to do it? I mean, that's that's why I'm asking. You know, it's like, what? that's quite why. Why well, would they do that? Well, I mean, it's just like the— Why would you not want to know? So so let's put it out this way. The reason that the state throws out a number of, of deer, right, is because us as hunters want to know a number. What they throw out there is not well, factual. <laughs> and you've got your—you know, you got your two-buck state, right, Illinois, right? Yep. This has been a big discussion on you guys' radar. So if they give you factual stuff, if they give you factual stuff, next thing you know, you have um, you have some 
points that now will move that to them if they can get that revenue from the residents, right? So the 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 thing about the one buck state is why wouldn't why wouldn't residents get two bucks and non-residents get one? Well, because you guys have to pay five hundred something dollars, yeah, a hundred dollars per tag. Yeah, but that would that that doesn't make sense in my blue state, right? I, I live we we live in Chicago, Illinois, right? Yep. We're just downstate. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's truly what we're getting voted in with all of our laws. It's not the it's not the southern part of the state, and I choose to live here still because of my family. But other than that, I probably wouldn't because of that. Like there, you you have a state that's got the top third of it is getting riddled by. Three sub three sub CWD, not listen non proved CWD stuff. But I'm, that's leave that to Higgins. Let him argue about stupid stuff like CWD and the agenda of the whatever. Mm-hmm. They they got a real, they got a boner for that stuff. So let them go do that. I'm just saying that the the top part of the state, they want to go, they want to go kill every deer that literally walks. Why? Mm-hmm. It, you're telling me it's not. You're telling me it's not. Um, the number of humans driving cars like come come on right and then how that thing keeps creeping down here okay if they're doing it up there why aren't they doing it in the park that i live by why aren't they doing it in in all this stuff like why, why isn't it coming down state it will mm-hmm. but they, they lose too much revenue sure i mean that's the, the it's there is an agenda and so what do you guys think the agenda is like what do you think it is like i, I know what it is here it's insurance driven and it's it's where the populated areas are mm-hmm. that's north Mm-hmm. The insurance one is interesting. We talked about that with, uh, might have been Higgins. Skip. Maybe it was Skip. We're just talking about, like, you know, you know, hey, makes sense that the insurance companies want to, you know, uh, limit vehicle collisions and, and the payouts that they have to issue. But then they were like, well, they just raise the rates. You know, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but or do they do both? Yeah. Uh, or they do both. And it's like, I can see incentive. I mean, there's all kind of people that have incentive to incentives really manipulate yep. the deer herd. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, even in a state like Illinois, like I'm sure, you know, the farming community has a massive impact on deer numbers. Like your farming community doesn't want deer. No, they don't. The Farm Bureau's got, they're going to, they're going to be one of the biggest stakeholders in any agricultural state for yeah. sure. I mean, deer damage True. is, is massive. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, they don't want deer, which to Chris but it is, is, it is area specific. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, for sure. Like, it, it truly is. Yeah, I mean. They're, they're making up on the lease numbers. Like, right now, I, I get no less than a couple uh, a couple dozen messages per week, either on the real estate side or just messages on Instagram or Facebook where, hey, uh, I'm looking for, I think I'm looking for a lease next year. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I got 3,000 acres to hunt. And I, oh, oh, really? I, there's another farm up for lease? Like, we're all looking for it. And I've yeah. got a list of people that will pay triple for it. So it, it's it's funny as things, the, I think, I think everything uh, comes comes down to memory in life. Somebody's memory and integrity and character is really what comes down to defining who they are as far as even a farmer or or the agenda that's coming from the, you know, the 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 insurance company. So if the insurance company decides that this is going to be their five-year track, we're just in ten. We're just in year ten of it, and it's carrying over. Nobody's driving the bus. It's just right. on its way. And you're like, right. oh, okay. They get a little bit of that momentum. And then they get the farmer momentum. All of a sudden the farmers are like, well, you're like to this year I made more off my I made more off my lease money for my deer hunters than I did sure. you know, some of my crops and some of these hilly grounds with with a really low PI. And I think they're all just buses going down the highways and no one's driving them. Mm-hmm. And then if nobody's driving them, you can't even argue with the bus driver. You can't argue with the agenda of it because it's not being driven. Mm-mm. If they're just in play, yeah. they're they're like they're like lights left on, right? Your kids like they're they're just lights left on, and and you go in there and be like, would you guys shut off the light? There's nobody in there. That's <laughs> Illinois. Yeah, they're all of Chicago or they're in Springfield. They're just they're the lights are left on. They're tabs on your computer that are left open, and they're just run off the rails, man. And nobody's driving them. And then the the guys that are coming in to, to sharpshoot them all winter. I mean, the, one of the things that I don't think people realize when we start arguing about um, what's best for the downstate of like in Illinois, um, I can't speak for anywhere else. You know, I haven't traveled in quite a while, but Illinois, the way it is, is up where my buddy's at is, you know, there's three, three gun seasons all weekend long after two firearms one muzzleloader and three more gun seasons into January. And then the signs come up by the DNR saying uh, shooting area, wow. big orange ropes, flags, piles. Uh, you know, th- these are like, these are like thousand pound corn piles in the middle of Illinois parks. They shut down the park. And for four weeks every year, the same companies and the same hired sharpshooter companies that, some of these guys I hunted with that that then went around politically and got these bid jobs that are government. Like the jobs. white buffaloes of the world? Um, do, do what? Like what, say one of the companies is white. That was what they were called. It's a sharpshooting company? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I don't I don't know. But like this guy I hunted with and I'm like, you do what? Like I should have taken a job for, with him 20 years ago when I met this guy. But they will go in and they're, they're the ones that kill all the deer between the outer part of the zoo and yep. the inner part of the zoo. Yep. You know, all that ground that's in between a lot of zoos and they'll kill them all. And they were telling me stories about how they would paint them pink and they would and they would chase them and they would shoot the last one all the way to the front. And they'd leave the one that's pink and it would run around. They would go on islands with helicopters and they killed everything. And he would tell me how they strategically did it. And and these are the people that are now getting these jo- government jobs. It's been going on 20 years uh, on islands and prisons and all the state facilities between the outer wall and the secondary wall. There's always wildlife. Mm. That wildlife needs to be wiped out. And 
so now the, these people are the ones that are being hired for the Illinois state parks. And then some of them are just like, you know, old state, uh, snipers or, or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, the SWAT teams and they're going in and they're killing every deer buck or doe or fawn doesn't matter. Whatever eats that corn pile at night with thermals and, and, and doing it at night and killing all of them. And this is happening this year and has been happening for 10 years and it gets higher and more ramp and their 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 goal is not to they will tell you that it's cwd and that and that's what they say they're doing but why are they wiping them completely out and they're still cwd like that's not my argument my argument is um why and then here we are having conversations of like well let's get the deer to five years old so that they're big and fancy where why don't we just go ahead and figure out how to, and we can talk about this later, but push through this and get to a point where all the deer are dead. And then now we just go ahead and set out some new genes and shoot 200 inch two-year-olds and the Don Higginses of the world that loves the two hundreds are killing them at two years old. Cause clearly it's not about age. It's about fancy and fancy is 180, 200, whatever it is, whatever it tricks your fancy and whatever. But that is what is happening in the Northern part of Illinois. Hmm. Uh, and they're preparing for it right now. Like my buddy's like, dude, I got, I got, I got this weekend for muzzleloader and I got three more gun seasons with any weapon. And as soon as I killed, like, let's say I get, I go buy two CWD tags for $5 and 50 cents a tag. They goes out, shoots his two deer, loads them up, goes to the check station, still uh, a check station. As soon as he checks in those deer, they issue him two free tags free two more free ones he goes out and fills them he can do that as many times as he wants in the entire northern state of illinois yeah i mean that can't be cwd driven that's got to be other agenda driven yeah i i don't i don't want to go to jail again so i can't say sure but uh <laughs> but, not that i went a... to jail but it was funny <laughs> again um, <laughs> i mean we spent all kind of time speculating we don't know dude i mean it's like clearly uh, like, it just sucks right yeah clearly, it's ridiculous clearly it our sucks. voices as hunters i mean are, are not you know, there's, there's way more of them than there are of us. And it's like, you know, yeah, we enjoy the resource and like, and I want them to be, I want them to be big and fancy selfishly, but I'm, you know, one of two or three percent or one or two or three percent of the entire well, population. But even in that standpoint of a, of a wipeout, the fact is, is like them baiting them and do it's those deer are a public resource. That's not their deer. Oh, and they're hunted in these parks, guys. This isn't just in a uh, this isn't in a reserve. These are hunted state parks that guys mm you know, from that area, they come, they park, they sign in, they go and they get in there and then they, they, they rock and roll and, and they hunt all season. They don't, they're not gun hunting cause they're in, uh, proximity like an urban to houses zone. and stuff, yeah. but they're all bow hunting them all year. Yeah. And, and then, then they and get then the DNR comes in and wipes them out. Makes Why no would sense. they pass a deer that walked by them? Yeah. There's no, I mean, it's not going to live. <laughs> Boy, I mean, if, if he was out there, live. I would love to talk to somebody that could sit and proclaim like, hey, we've we've had success with CWD management, like by by killing them. We've done all this stuff. We put millions of dollars into, you know, hiring, you know, sharpshooters and we've done all this stuff in northern Missouri and northern Illinois and yada, yada, yada. And I it it could be out there. Maybe I'm not researching hard enough, but like, is there, there is there, there any evidence? Meetings. Is there any evidence to say, guys, it's working? We're, we're doing it. We're achieving the goal here. Remember we set out, we said we're going to do this. Here's some evidence that it is working. So they have a, they have a very blanketed 
It's just like this piece of paper right here. All of them say the same, you know, all of it, it just says the same thing, every one of them. And you go to these small town, these small area meetings about each individual space and whatever that piece of paper is, that that's their definition, that's their research, and they blanket it over every single thing. And we don't have the research to go ahead and, you know, there's no research out there to go ahead and combat that or even go for that argument, you know? I mean, and so... I don't know. It's, it's a disaster, but here we are trying to figure out how we can, you know, keep our neighbors honest and keep our neighbors in mm -hmm. a, a deer management point of view to where we're trying to get the deer older and the, the herd better. And the whole thing that the, the state's like, well, just let me in there and I'll keep your herd better. It'll just not be non-existent, you know? I know. And so well, that's, that seems sucks, to be the right? metric of success. They're like, well, Hey, good news. We killed them all before CWD could. Right. And we're like, oh, yeah, oh, like AIDS. oh boy, good. Well, and I mean, to, <laughs> yeah. to that point, like I know Northern Missouri has has paid and probably non-hunting landowners, but it's paid landowners to have access to their properties to do CWD shoots. Meanwhile, the property next door, the dude's been managing his ass mm -hmm. off. Well, that's exactly what's happening. To try to kill five-year-old bucks and his neighbor now yep. has a thousand pound corn pile in his yard boy. and he's getting everything shot. That is worst case. I mean, we because we talk about... Um, I mean, that's it. That, that's the fear. You know, you're like, well, you know, maybe, maybe we just all get CWD. Maybe it just happens. But like the state is going to interject before it gets to that point and say, don't worry. One of your neighbors will agree to let us come in and kill all of them. Absolutely. And so, my somebody's going to be one of like my best yeah. friends on the planet yeah. is dealing with it right now. His line is surrounded on one side by one of these shooting parks. And it has been a personal goal. He hired me for a consult. I went up there uh, when I was first starting out doing these we became best friends. You know, it, it's one of those things where clients become friends uh, faster than friends become yeah. clients kind of thing. And so we went up there and uh, our goal has been, how can we take these deer away? If we could take these deer away from sharpshooter corn pile at night state after the season, we can, if we can correct their numbers and keep these deer alive, then I can do this anywhere on the planet. And so his goal right now is to get four-year-old, five-year-old deer, and he's doing it and keeping the DNR from actually killing these deer because they all live on him and uh, in the late, late, late stuff. And and so it's working. Like the there is ways to combat it. Um, but again, you're fighting the government. Like when do you win? And and with the CWD stuff, it like I just shouted out there when – you know, you chuckled as far as you're like, well, it's like A's, like these deer with the prions and the CWD and all the, you know, intricate weavings of all that of uh, CWD is, you know, they're not, they're not necessarily dying from it. You no, know, Buck, uh, what was it? Uh, Boone and Crockett went after me because there was an article like 50, like the, me getting in trouble wasn't the first time that I was targeted. And, and people go, oh, well, he wasn't targeted. You poached. Okay, great. I'll tell you the story here in a second. But at the end of the day, you 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 are targeted when you have a voice. You gentlemen are targeted whether you know it oh, or not. We know. The bigger you get, you're definitely. you're on it. Yeah, and, definitely. And it, it'll come heavy. You know, it'll come on, come down on you heavy. But, you know, I was targeted in a phone call that was as easy as reaching out. Back then, it wasn't like Instagram, Facebook. But I had a guy reach out to me, email, and he wanted to have a phone call. He asked me about deer. He asked me about uh, TV. He asked me these really light questions. And he asked me one question before I got off the phone. And uh, I answered the question, honestly, with a, with a gentleman that started in Wisconsin. That, that he, he was 80-something years old. I was bear hunting with him. And he told me and Danny Borland a story. And, and for three days, I was the most 
entranced person into the story of raising deer and whitetails in the CW. This guy spent his life savings, millions of dollars. He moved to Missouri and they followed him there and he went after these um, these deer. And, and if I knew, if I remember all the names, you would know who, who they were and, and they went after him and he, his conspiracy theory list was out of this world to, to and, and most of it, I, I believe that you could prove in today's day and age that you could prove that it was true and how it became. And then like how even going into CWD rabbit hole is like, the nuclear stuff that was going on where these animals came from out in i believe new mexico or arizona and then like the whole story like there's so much of it that's now coming uh to fruition but i went on the record after getting the information from this guy that has spent his life defending cwd um that i went on the record with boone and crockett and they wrote this giant hit piece on me this is 15 years ago that i went on to say that it doesn't kill them like there wasn't at the time a proven piece of paper or anything that documented a CWD animal dying by CWD. They always died of pneumonia. You know, like a per, my uncle died of AIDS, H, HIV. He was HIV positive. I know it very well. This is when I was in high school. I lost him and I knew how that happened. And these deer were dying from other things. They were not dying from CWD. And I went on the record before anybody wanted to hear it. And I got smoked by that, but the, I was on, I, I loved it. The, I loved it. I loved getting beat up. Well, you're saying that was 15 it, years it, ago. It, it I mean, made dude, money for 15 years now, Chris, everybody's been like waiting for the evidence or for like the bottom to fall out. It's like, after Mike told us about these counties, I didn't know that there was counties in uh, Ohio that yeah, are northwest of Columbus. Yeah, it was part of our baiting discussion. He's like, yeah, they're CWD counties, so they don't allow baiting. And so I looked it up, and there's like an article on there. Where it's are like, the fences? <laughs> Where are the fences in Ohio? What do you mean? <clears throat> Where are the fences? High fences? The majority of fences are north, north of Columbus when Eskers and them, all them, and old Mr. Captain uh, Redmoon. Um, mm -hmm. What's his name? Adam. Uh, that I've been friends with. Yeah, Adam. Uh, where, where do you think all the 200 inch deer Captain came from Redman. everybody's backyards all over pickington and reynoldsville reynoldsburg whatever oh og right here was watching the planes fly over landing at the ohio airport hunting with the eskers and all over 20 years ago i was saying to them why don't why aren't you bait, baiting it's legal here why aren't you baiting in october and adam was killing his 200s there before anybody knew who he was and we were all on the team blodgett together out of new york and this is when we first all came in the industry if they're really saying that about cwd and where the reports are Go can check on where the first fences were. Go check on where all those deer were imported at and why they're able to say that because if they've been able to prove the CWD is in these fences, it's really easy to go, oh, you got a fence up. You got CWD. So you're deer. saying, you're saying, and farms, then if Chris, you just slaughter just for them, our listeners, you're saying, again. where are the farms? Where are they bringing deer into? That's what you're saying, right? Well, wherever those are, right? That's where yeah, gotcha. the hotbeds are. Yeah. It's a yeah. real easy way to go. We've already proved they're in fences. Same with Northern Missouri. It's hard Missouri. to prove in the wild. Northern Missouri huh? was loaded with high fences. Mm. Absolutely. Loaded. It's So, the, so you're going to see a pattern. And this just isn't, you know, you know, people, you know, the greatest thing about me getting in trouble, y'all, let me just say it. It saved my life, number one. But number two, I wasn't just a talking head. I produced them. I produced the shows. I hired the right producers. I did all this stuff. So what you're getting now of my, of my memory and my knowledge and how much I loved wildlife, this has been my passion for a long time. So these things I'm saying are not just, look, I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole. I'm not going to fight these fights. I already, 
I'm exhausted from life. Life beat me up. You know, I've, I've done everything I've ever wanted to. Yeah. So this information that's coming out of my mouth is just literally information. Take it, run with it, do whatever you want. But this is information that I'm handing down going, if you look at the correlation with some of this stuff, this is absolutely legit. And, and there has to be something to it. Someday somebody's going to fight it. Someday somebody's going to do something with it. And so I don't mind talking about the information that I heard or I understand in the back of the days, looking at it 20, this is 20 years, 15, 20 years later. If you look at those high fences off the Northern side of, of Columbus, when you're driving on the, on the uh, east side of the state. I mean, those things have been there forever. And that's where all these, you're telling me does didn't happen to get out, out in Illinois, in the east side of Illinois, where there's all a bunch of cornfields where people raised deer for 20 years. You're telling me that these deer didn't get out in Ohio right. and some of these does don't get out. Cows get out all the damn time and they're worth a lot of money. So these genetics, I, I just say we should just put genetics out there and let these deer get big and be fancy at two and three. And then we don't even, we, we're out of jobs. We don't have any more discussion anymore. You know, and then it's about like, well, what's the new 500 inch mm. world record? Let them that's let an them interesting, some, that, it's an interesting consideration. I mean, I've, but yeah, why don't they? It's why, just fancy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I, I don't want to see that necessarily because, I mean, it's, I think it conflicts with like the, the, the wild, but at that point, at a certain point, it's like they're so. Well, deer have for sure gotten out, right? I mean, there, there's no hiding that. I, I know you guys that sure. have shot them. They've gotten out and shot yeah, them was thinking the they were, Brian shot one. Well, in mm -hmm. like, two, what was it? Two, two or three years ago, that kid killed that giant in Kansas yeah. that got out. You know, yeah, yeah I mean, they get out all the time, you know, and I'm sure several listen, of them. Are I'm not, I, I am not like who I was one day back in, back in the day where I would fight you on this and say, sure. I am this, I am this, you're, you're, you're this way. I don't care what you do. Stay off my land. Right. That's it. Yeah. I don't care what you do. You want to get an abortion, get an abortion. You don't want to get an abortion, don't get an abortion, but I'm not going to help you do it. Like, I know where I'm going. This isn't my home. And then like, where is my energy wasted or where's my energy spent? I think it is helping. I think it's helping men understand what they're actually hunting for. And if they're hunting for their soul, if they're hunting for me, if they're hunting for whatever, uh, I think a lot of that is where you, you guys as traditions from back in the day, it was just to get your buck and bro out with your family and PA. Like some of those greatest, deepest rooted traditions come from those dudes at Harrisburg that I watched that grind in a factory for 35 years, 40 years, generationally, uh, West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, these places like that, I mean, th that, that's the reason why everybody hunted. And then I think people forget about it. And then, you know, listen, I love to have the discussions of the big fancy deer and the the pins and the whatever and this and that. But uh, when when somebody goes, hey, let's, let's go hunt together so we can bro out, no. I'd rather do it by myself. I'll take you golfing. I'll take mm. you golfing. Mm -hmm. Like we can bro out as much as you want golfing. Like we're not after the same deer. Or we're not after yeah. this. I think, uh, I think men just need to, it's all up here uh, and they need to get rid of this. I got a buddy, Joe, that's been here uh, hunting uh, some of Kirk's stuff and, and whatever. And uh, the I put every, dude, I put every mature deer we have in front of them and he passed them all. And I was like, why are you passing? He's like, mm, doesn't score 160. I'm like, you ever killed a 160? No. I'm like, so you'd kill, if I could put you at my house on my farm and I could get this two-year-old 160 to walk out, would you shoot him? Absolutely. I'm like, well, there we have a, what, we have a problem. Would you kill him <laughs> if you could hunt him with a crossbow? And would you kill him with, you know, where, where does it stop? What, if I gave you a rock and a slingshot, would you kill any deer? And he's like, yeah, dude, just to kill a deer would be a goal. I'm like, now we get into now we get into traditional yeah. archery. How big does that deer have to be? Me personally, I'd shoot a year and a half old with a, with a string 
that I've got sitting behind me, probably right back here to the kids, bows, but I'd shoot one with a stick and string that was 110 inches. And then if I'm using a crossbow or a bow or a gun, like I'm an equal opportunistic predator. Mm-hmm. I'll kill them with anything. I'll hit them with a truck if it's legal. I meant that. So you Chris, know? I mean, when we so talk, I, I love all of that, where we're going with all of it, but the CWD thing is a very, a very strange no, um, for us too. Strange <laughs> yeah. coincidence. I agree. Hmm. So, Chris, when we talk about like the big, the big deer side of things, we've we've hit on this at a bunch. You know, I think the the kind of full circle we've come out here recently with is, man, back in the day. So clearly, like when you were in the heyday of OG outdoor TV, like dude, killing a big deer was cool as shit. Like it was uh, awesome. One twenty. 125 Pope and Young, you were the man. I know. Like, literally. Right? If you were killing Pope and Young whitetails on video with a three-chip GL1 camera, a three-chip uh, three oh, PD-170 came out. With, we had to weld up our own arms, and we were shooting free, you know, freestyle and, and whatever. Buddy, you shot a 125. And Jay Gregory and, like, the all everybody that hates everybody now, uh, Jay, Jay was a – fantastic guest was he not i saw clips oh yeah I did. Thing, we, we had a blast that dude is a savage don kitsky is still one of my favorite outdoor tv yep. killers because he's not a he doesn't give a shit about outdoor tv he's he a farmer farming he's a farmer he's a farmer dude yeah. and candy's candy's the fun personality and what you know and whatever and lee and tiff and everybody like they were everybody was a salt of the earth and the problem was there was no there was no out no one had done it and so as everybody became real tree and mossy oak and and they all got divided in pepsi and coke and all of a sudden i'm like god i don't i I wanted to be on monster buck so bad until david blanton was like man we're just not gonna put you on here uh g willikers or whatever he says and whatnot and they they literally ruined me and i did not want to wear a real tree after um like they told me no, I couldn't be on Monster Bucks because I was just too flashy. Like everything I did. That's what they told too, you? Too much. Oh, dude, they go deep. Every story, every person. You could bring up Stan Potts. I watched him. You know, he's got an eye thing. I watched him talk to John Masakia, owner of Muzzy. First story I ever seen, uh, ever had experience at the out at the ATA show was him telling a story to John Masakia trying to get Muzzy money. You know, he's sponsored by money. And he said, uh, he's telling this story and he's just all going. And John Masaki looked him straight in the face and he said, damn it, Stan, look at me when I'm talking. To you. <laughs> and I, and I was just like, that set the pace for the next 25 years of my life on how hardcore and messed up everybody was in this outdoor world. And I yeah. should have walked then and went and sold, started selling land. Yeah. But like, that was his boss drinking beer. Stan was trying to tell him all these cool stories about something. And John just, he was just a funny cat, man. And he said that, and they were buddies. And then Stan's like, oh, dang it. And I was standing there holding the Corona, <laughs> l- looking up to these guys. This guy owns Muzzy. Can you imagine this? 22 years old, standing there looking up to, well, not looking up to Stan, looking more down like this at Stan. And John was actually shorter, too. And, and dude, it was the funniest comment I, I still have ever heard to this day in the outdoor industry. But and they all laughed about it. And the whole bar was there and everyone was getting along and nobody was being assholes before social media. And everybody wanted to make cool outdoor television, man, make cool products. And archery was on fire and all this stuff was on fire. Mm. It was the greatest. It'll I never mean, dude, be like the heyday of like ATA show and stuff like that was so awesome. That was I mean, I was a young 20 year old kid 
walking into like the ATA show with companies and like it was it was awesome. It was everything I thought it was going to be. And there was money everywhere. Holy shit. And you dude. were you had you you were in marketing and you were in control. When I started flying stuff, dude, can you imagine being 25 years old and them just sending two Triton boats with a 120 Optimax uh motor and all this stuff and you're just like this is mine and they're like, "Yep." <laughs> and it was all there was my, I remember when I started flying fish and I called uh Joel Maxfield was he's yep. still salters. He's one of the dead you want to have somebody on your podcast? Joel. That dude is that dude has killed more stuff than winter. I mean, he has killed everything and he's a savage and he's the nicest guy and he, he just takes it all with a grain of salt. He knows more about archery and aero flight than maybe anybody I've ever known. And so I called Joel, and Joel was like, dude, if you're doing cool stuff, like here's our budget here. And I had all different bows because he knew I would test them all, you know. And mm-hmm. golly, man, it was it was unbelievable. And that was when Catch Us If You Can, and I was on the Matthew staff and on the commercial, and I thought it was the coolest guy ever. I, I mean, know, dude, like it, was it, it was. It was the coolest stuff ever. It, that industry was. There was so much money. It was just it was it was bumping at all times like to you to that point like ATA shot show around like the round bars and stuff you were walked around and there's you know there's Don Kiske there's Chris Brackett there's Michael Waddell like you just walked around and I mean but everybody was just you could just talk you're just shooting the shit mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. it's completely not like that anymore <laughs> I mean dude to the point where and it's kind of <laughs> depressing like look at because and Chris had said earlier I mean imagine everybody want to get paid to hunt like yes. I dude, it wasn't long ago that like we even whether it was jokingly or we're like, dude, you know, pro staff things getting out of hand. Like, er, like everybody wanted to get paid. To, who didn't? You know, what I mean, that yeah. sounds like <laughs> the coolest job ever. I'll be honest with you, like within the past couple of years, I, you don't really hear that anymore. Like, it, no, it's kind of sad. I mean, maybe it was annoying while it was happening, but after the fact, it's well, just part like, of it is nobody cares about big. De- like, oh, cool, you shot a one eighty. I don't give a shit anymore. Well, it's more because of what has happened to the industry. I mean, it was climbing, 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 and outdoor TV was, like, such a big part of that. And then once that all kind of collapsed and it's like, you know, the digital network thing took over the networks. I mean, outdoor channel and sport, they're still out there. But Yeah, but the content on it has changed dramatically. The, well, the, the, the viewership has changed. back to one rule. The viewership goes back changed. to one rule. Following what did I tell you about that content that time? What I tell you about that content, about my rule when I got in the industry was one thing. I knew that, I knew that uh, America's Funniest Home Videos, yep. right, was America's Funniest Home Videos from the day it started till the day it ended. Yep. And it didn't matter if you filmed with, if you didn't matter, well, I don't know what's Bomar shooting turkeys in, like 932 million feet per second, uh, frames <laughs> per second, shooting yeah. turkeys or whatever, yep. right? Or if you filmed it on my farmer's flip, right, it didn't matter as long as somebody hit somebody in the nuts with a wiffle ball bat. Yeah, it was content driven. Yeah, and now it doesn't matter. It didn't. It didn't matter. Like my my ass got in trouble at least once an episode for shooting slow mo, and shooting shooting slow mo and showing too much blood. Like air affliction literally was created to disrupt the industry and intermediate at that time when Mike Carney and <laughs> those guys hired me. They it was literally to disrupt the industry and break the stigma and they literally would go what when i had i had two tickets i had had two tickets that that one was not calling in a deer in time in illinois when we changed from a check-in station to a call-in so next morning i called it in they said no the harvest was that day and i said well i didn't find the deer till midnight and and the uh the the guy here jeff bales and sandman like these were tough old school illinois game wards first run 
but they were after you. Like you were getting a ticket. You had to go fight it. It's 10 o'clock, like, right? Mike you got to the- call it in by 10 o'clock of the day you kill it. Is that right? Right. And so I didn't find the deer till 12 and I didn't know if it was dead. And, uh, and I had a night picture on a cell phone and that picture was at Presley's outdoors and the game one rolled in and was like, why does he have a picture in this field at night? And I called it in instantly the next morning. Cause bow hunting, I had 24 hours mm-hmm. next day. Right. And gun season had just switched from, and I shot him with a muzzleloader. And uh, so it falls in our firearm season. Um, and it came down to the fact that it didn't have, um, it didn't have time to expire or when was harvest or whatever, but I couldn't defend myself when they only gave me uh, a, a ticket. Like you couldn't, you didn't, you just paid the ticket. So like Mike it. Carney and the pros and the big shots that were in charge of my paycheck when I made arrow affliction for them, they literally said, just pay the ticket, 75 bucks. Mm-hmm. And so those set the precedence to go, he's got two tickets before this. He's got a fishing violation because he shot a turtle in the head, shooting arrow affliction and almost drowned getting it. You can't shoot turtles with an arrow. And I'd called the Who state knew? and they said, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> and uh, now they actually, they changed the law because of that ticket. Wow. They'd never had that ticket. It was unprecedented. So Illinois, you can bow fish for snapping turtles. And it was because I got this ticket. And so I got a, I got a fishing violation for shooting a turtle in the head at like 47 yards in this water, swimming out, <laughs> grabbing it, bring it back. First, first episode of air affliction, my ass got a ticket. So like those are the two tickets I got, which led to when I got in trouble, and in Indiana, it was $75, it was $125 fine. I, I would keep the deer. But because I brought the, the deer home, it was then all of a sudden charged with felonies. And then, you know, the all this stuff is public record. If anybody really wanted to go deep, they'll see what I signed guilty to. I pled guilty to it. And I realized real damn quick, it had nothing to do with what I did. It had everything to do with what it did to the industry when you took out one of the dudes that didn't give a shit. Mm. Like I was out there just, having fun and on top of the world and they knew I was poor. I never saved any money. I, I didn't buy a house. I lived in a teeny tiny house and I spent it all on, on the people that end up being, betraying me. I gave them jobs. I pulled them out of trailers in the middle of New York. I gave them all jobs. I gave them everything. And that's all I cared about was my art. You know, I was Picasso, but I had both my ears. I don't know. Like I just loved making my art. I still love making my art. That's why the food plots look so perfect, you know? And, uh, and it's, uh, I don't know how we got got to this point, but this is this is I, I'm I'm ready to talk about it. Let's get I, I into it. I don't know. It's just a yeah. it's a messed up world, man. Well, like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, but everybody hears shit third party, so like, let's let's hear it from from Chris, like you know, because obviously this is a situation but, that like, you know, admittedly you're like, okay, yeah, I shot a turtle in the head, didn't know, had to pay a ticket, right? Same with the deer thing, okay, yeah. had to pay a ticket, and and I would have done no. the same thing, you know, hey, pay a ticket, move on. Yeah, why not? What are you yeah. going to do? Fight it? Exactly. 75 bucks. Yeah. But they wanted to make so an like, example. I, yeah. I had never like still to this day, I've never anybody that this is where they ran into a roadblock when the feds, they hunted me for a year after I got indicted. And if you guys don't know what happened, if you could look it up or if you've seen any of the memes, by the way, whoever made the meme with my face on Callan Kaepernick's uh, GQ <laughs> cover, that's the best meme. Look, I was perfect for memes when that thing, you guys had to be in Kansas. First off, you're like, oh my God, this this dude's life's over. I wonder if somebody's going to put him on suicide watch, which is what everybody said. But anybody for that real? knew me went, you can't kill this guy. Yeah. Like, this guy don't quit. Yeah. Money doesn't define him. Doesn't matter if he killed a big buck. He's going to go shoot one. It might be a 120. Like, 
the guys that knew who I, how I was and, and the people that had been around me and the people that had even been using me, um, to promote their products and to pay me. I was a dancing chicken man on a hot plate. And even those guys were like, this dude's built different, right? Um, you can't, you can't do what I did from nothing and come from, coming from a poor kid in pure Illinois, um, with, you know, father abuse. Um, and the fact that I didn't have a needle in my arm and I wasn't an alcoholic, you can't kill a guy like that, that flipped a switch and decided that he was going to go love life. You can't kill them. And I was favored by God, even though I didn't know the gospel. Right. So every, everybody's first thing was like, Oh, he found Jesus. He's going to pay his ticket and do his, you know, do his time. And he found Jesus. And I'm like, dude, I saw God in every inch of antler that was ever grown in the middle of the summer with every bird call and every bugle, <laughs> everything that I had ever done. I saw Yahweh, I saw God, but I did not ever see, uh, or know the gospel. I didn't know how actually that Jesus truly loved me for my sins and my generational sin through my father and through his father before him. And this all tells into the story. And I believe anybody that has, number one, has character, right? Character is who you are without when people aren't looking. And then where what you learned and how your memory, we talked about memory earlier, what your memory is for things and how you react to things in life. So, um, decisions that we make based on character or morality or where we fall in definition of something that has to do with the law or we think that's it's just that it's okay it's wherever it falls and so i got in trouble for i wish i had the paperwork i probably could have got the paperwork and read exactly what my charges were but it was Five, Jared, five years ago. When did Jody? I was going like, to ask you. 17? Four or five years ago? 2017. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. I think I was, 2000, I think it was 2018 I was indicted, right? Yep. Which would have been five that years ago. That sounds right. We were in Kansas. seasons and I had a half that I had to sit. Mm-hmm. And then the incident happened four, four, four years and 11 months earlier because the statute of limitations ran out at five years wow coincidence right so Mm. right now 10 years ago plus wow 11 12 years ago right so the things that i was judged four or five years ago for and 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 gained my life and lost everything was i was indicted with two felonies on the lacy act violation one was a felony charge now I don't have it. Let me tell you the end of the story. If if you're if you got to go into work and you're shutting off your podcast, oh they'll jump back on, dude. Don't worry, they'll listen through it. The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Hoyt Archery. Oh, dude, it's almost fall. You and I are both going to be in a tree stand with brand new Hoyt bows. We're going to be shooting the RX7 carbon bow this year. I know Hoyt's also got the Venoms out, both equally smooth shooting, quiet bows. Heck yeah, man! And we got a convert on our hands this year. We got a lifelong crossbow guy with a vertical bow in his hands for maybe the first time ever. A good friend of mine. And uh, we've got them all decked out with uh, the inline accessories uh, from the QAD integrated ultra rest uh, to the quiver. And also he's got the SL sidebar mount with a couple of stabilizers from Hoyt as well. So that's going to be a sick shooting bow. Yeah. And Hoyt's been cool enough that anyone listening to this can save 20% on any of the soft good apparels online using the code Hunter, H-U-N-T-R, no E. Uh, And if you want to look at the latest lineup of Hoyt bows, check out your local Hoyt dealer. Get serious, get Hoyt. 
okay. The, the I, I am not a felon. I was charged with felonies. And um, one was Lacey Act violation. And the other one was a um, uh, conspiracy conspiracy to commit. Okay. And these are the two things that I was charged with instantly on October 18th or November 18th of whatever, 2017 or 18. Um, and that's what I was charged with that, uh, I was indicted with that day, but a year earlier, almost to the day, uh, a story broke and a piece of footage broke after, and I have the phone. I should have showed it to you that day, Jared, but the people that I had hired, uh, and give them the credit to say their name on here or whatever, the people that worked with me. They had stolen a piece of footage, so stolen actual video footage. So if anybody doesn't know, you go film all over the planet. You've been filming for 20 years of your life. You've got all this footage, and then you hire somebody, and then you have this footage that comes back in. And then when you have this footage, you go through it, and you make episodes out of it. I would write the episodes. I would say, hey, here's your creative, whatever you're thinking with this, and and make this, and then train this, and this is how we did. And we were successful. Arrow Affliction, Fear No Evil, all these things. And... Uh, you know, the backstory about all this, um, I will get really in depth. I'd love for you guys to be on my land life podcast, Chris Braggis land life podcast, and then we can go in depth and some of those other stuff in the story. But the, the main thing was, is that a piece of footage was held back from four years earlier on a thumb drive, one clip. And the clip is what you saw on the internet before I was able to pull it down. Most mm -hmm. of them pull it down. Some of them are still out there. Uh, but that clip was of a untrained, intern that was with me at the time and i've we met this person too. i've huh? met this person i've met this person coincidentally oh this person's a psychopath yeah but i sat across the table goes, from this them. guy deserves to be in huh i sat across the table from this person at they yeah, were working so for person, a listen, different listen, content this, producer at the time oh that it's not the guy he thinks of is it jared I don't this know. I wasn't Salvo there. Salvo is the great one. No, no, no. No, Salvo. No, you talking about Salvo? I'm no. talking about Salvo the Magro guy who was, was an intern that was the, with me. You can say it. We'll cut it off. We have to. I don't. I don't remember his name. He was the guy who was behind the camera. No, that Salvo Magro is a great uh, one pizza maker. They got a pizza place out in New York. Uh, he's a, got an amazing heart. That yeah. dude needs to be in Hollywood. He is an entertainer, dude. He's not a good cameraman. He's not a good marketer or anything like that. I have told him and everyone told him. Now, he's not the one that sold us out. That's why I don't mind saying his name or whatever. Like, he would love the promotion. He was a good guy. He was with me. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't talked to him since the incidents. Um, but he he's not the guy I'm talking about that ratted or did or, or stole anything or whatever. He the was guy just I met was a cameraman. Yeah, uh, for the guys out east here. Yes. Yeah, it is still or no longer? No, I don't think so. Yeah, kind of came and went. But you met him, and by happenstance, because it was between now and then. So It wasn't long after the Between 2017 and 2023, assume. you were out with these guys, and like it just came up. You're like, oh, oh, you're the guy. Yeah, you're because the video had, I think, just gone up, the, and Chris, the you video probably pulled had every, it Everything was skewed. Nobody knew that it was Salvo. Of course. And Salvo at the time was living with us. He actually found my dad. Um, after he had one of his strokes before he passed, um, mm. Salvo was living at my dad's, and and I was trying to train him up, but the whole time I'm like, listen, dude, you need to get in a car and drive to 
uh, Hollywood because you will be a superstar. I still believe that today. If you're listening, Salvo, go to Hollywood. I apologize for not giving you a Golden Moose Award when I gave everybody else one, but you were really hard to handle, bro. But that was my bad. I'll give you one of mine because I don't really care about them. I'll give it to you now. Uh, but he should drive to L.A. right now. Go be a superstar. Anyway, so that gentleman was just interning with me. Okay. He's in a blind with me. And we were staying at the guy's place. And the guy's, pl the guy's place that you're around anything, when I was talking earlier about what your conditions are and what you're around, you show me the five best guys that you're, you show me the five guys that you're around, that's what you're going to become. And at that point, man, I thought I was still just a, just a piece of trash from Bartonville, Illinois, that was that. That that that's how I treated life, and that's how I treated other people, and that's how my father beat me and treated me. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I treat people like that? So people got I got a Chris Brackett story. I'm like, well, you're probably lucky that I either didn't, you know, have sex with your girl or freaking uh, punch you in the face. Like that was as aggressive as it was. Like you were either you either liked me or or you didn't. But I wasn't scared of my sin. I wasn't scared of my sin. I wasn't ashamed of my sin. I learned it that way generationally, you know, and, uh, and I was fast to punch somebody in the face. I, you know, I think about it all the time. I'm like, I don't know many people that are either one of y'all's age that really have ever punched somebody in the face or like the rules changed in school. When I was oh, in school, yeah. you punched somebody in the face. I, I think I had to sit in the hall, dude. When, when y'all got there, you got thrown like, out of school. You got expelled. Like you were yeah. never going to that school again. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you know, like so, 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 I, and I come from a place where I walked down the street with my pellet gun and I killed everything that moved in my in my neighborhood. And if I did that now, I get thrown in jail and committed and whatever. So, it, it was how I grew up, and I looked younger than I was. And so, man, I was not famous yet. So you got to do the math on how long ago it was, because everybody thinks, well, when you get a rep contract, you go here and go straight up and they kind of look at my career and go oh that's the flying fish guy this guy went from being a guide to straight up but they didn't realize that i did bracket outdoors and all this production for decades before it's what i had done production and filming and editing my whole life and as i produced all this stuff this these people like salvo and like the other guy that leaked footage just to be cool to be around it um that really i didn't do anything wrong with but it did not help my case with the bad footage from the way people took me i um i used the r word and i said retard on it and I, you know i'm it's not an excuse i you know, I have autism, I'm, I'm Asperger's, but to me, again, who are you around when you say it? Right. Um, I have, I have friends that are, you know, handicapped and, and I, you know, I, I, there was never an excuse. And so I'll publicly apologize for using that word. Um, but at the end of the day, it really, there was no ever, I never opened my mouth to apologize. Um, there was nothing I could have said to hurt the world to take back what I said because of the world was so in a, such a place that they didn't care what I had to say. They really didn't care what I had to say. I was a superstar for them. Uh, it, you know, I, I played it up with my fear and weevil tattoos and my arrow friction tattoos. And I was the character. I was my life. I loved it. I loved producing. It. I loved making it. I loved my fans. Even with Asperger's man, if you don't know anything about being autistic, sometimes I don't like people. I don't like patty caking, as you can tell, I'll tell it straight up. If Bomar doesn't like what I said, he's going to have to come here. He can't sue me. I didn't say anything wrong. I know where my lines are. Um, 
Stan does have two eyes that go different directions. I'm not saying anything <laughs> that people don't already know. I'll say it to their face. I'm friends with them and they should know exactly where I stand. Um, these are just all the flaws and things that we have as people. And I'll just, you know, tell it how it is. I'm not using the autism or, or whatever as a, as a whatever. I'm still just discovering it and understanding that that is why I had so much hate in my heart because I didn't understand who I was and that I thought differently and I did stuff differently. And so as that progresses down that way, um, uh, I never publicly apologize for, uh, for just calling the kid that clearly wasn't developmental, developmentally challenged. It was just wrong. There were other people that had, you know, use it every day right now. Oh yeah. And, uh, and you can get mad about whatever, you know, should have called them an, a fat F, you know, and I'm like, mm. no one would have cared. Right. They were just like, that bracket is mean. Well, I'm six, one, two seventy right now. But when I was in my prime, man, I was two forty five and did not care. Black hair, sideburns, driving big jacked up truck with my, my hair on fire, flying all over on people's jets, <laughs> killing stuff across the country. I was living the American dream. <laughs> right. I mean, that, that was it. When, when guys and girls got, you know, broke up, their girlfriend went after me because they knew they'd piss off the other guy and I was slutty and I would go sleep with that hot chick and whatever. I mean, this was my life. I was a sinful, deep, sinful Midwestern man. I didn't care about drinking. I didn't care about drugs, but I, I, my father taught me how to go after hot chicks and that was my sin. And uncle Ted talks about that. Uncle Ted was very, uncle Ted was very far past me as far as the sexual addiction, but I would call mine a sinful sexual addiction with uh, hot women. And uh, the cooler I was on outdoor television, the more hot women was around there. You can ask Waddell about that stuff. It's a bad temptation. Life's tough, man. I went through a divorce too. I mean, it's a sinful thing in every day, whether you're famous or not, but if they give you the get the, if they give you everything, if they give you everything, you're going to just take it. And I think that's where, everything comes back to. So me and Salvo back to it, me and Salvo were in a blind and I messed up. And when I messed up, I'll talk about, I was not famous yet. I did not have a contract with a mossy Oak. I did not have a contract with, a, um, all these big companies. I was, I was fresh out of Aeroflixion where I created that business and that business model and Aeroflixion for Intermedia. They pay me $30,000 a year but they made me famous. I was the guy, Aeroflixion, spiky black hair and tattoos and shooting stuff out of the air. And yes, I can shoot aspirin out of the air. It's real. I used to film it, not like dude perfect, but I used to actually shoot whatever arrows you saw on TV. I just grabbed a cam and I, and my, you know, my, everybody has their thing, man. Me being autistic, I could, I never, if you know anything about Asperger's, you know who Elon Musk is. Well, I just didn't give a crap about rockets. All I cared about was an arrow and creating my art through television and pictures. Well, that's Chris, what I did. That's what I was going to ask you, dude. Because, I mean, obviously, that's that's how I remember Arrowfliction and Chris Brackett is this dude who could shoot anything and everything with a bow. Like, wh where did mm. that where did it come from? So it... I just could always do it. Really? Like, like just, you gotta, yeah, you gotta, so you gotta understand, like, uh, you, you know, well, you don't have to understand. My dad used to say that you, you could, you gotta do this. No, you don't have to, but if you want to out, if you want uh, a look, and I think there's somebody listening right now that goes, man, my kid might have it or I might have it. What I'm going to tell him is it's okay. But so autism as a giant spectrum and the spectrum's not like, you know, from where the camera from, from here to here, mm -hmm. right. The spectrum's, in circles and all over and 3d and 4d and and when they say the spectrum so somewhere on there 
I have a photographic memory. I have a right brain that can produce some of the coolest TV and pictures that I, I that anybody could ever imagine. Right. I, and I've won the awards and I've done that. No award mattered to me. Mm-hmm. No amount of money mattered to me. None of this stuff mattered to me. All I want to do is keep making art. So, um, so the, the photographic memory along with, I remember every piece of dirt and every animal that I've ever killed ever. I remember all of them. And I remembered every con. This is why I said memory is such a key thing to mental. Uh, I think to understanding mental health, like I remember me and Jared's conversation. Um, and then I know he does because of how he asked the question. And that is one of his superpowers. So people that have autism have, um, and I told him, like, are you autistic? <laughs> like, are you? And he, I go, dude, I do, are, yeah. you might be, you might be a power ranger like me. Like I'm blue. He's red. Like I, there Very are nice. people that I know that when I found out, when I found out that I had it, uh, I found out I had it. I go, if I could find like five other people that have it and they have different gifts like me, but we understand each other, like, so he's probably not. Yeah. This isn't about him, but uh, I'm going to have fun with it because you're, you're cool with it. Right? Yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like you're cool with like, the fact that you're cool and kind of cool with everything. So he remembers everything. But like it's probably not easy to make him mad. Like make him mad where you like wreck not his at all. day. No. Right? I know. No. I know for fact. So, I've been around so, the guy for 10 years like every day. Like yeah. you can't. So for me, you have to, the only ways you can make me mad, you can call me. That's why I would call, I would call somebody the R word or whatever. Like I didn't care about those things. The only way you can make me mad is one trust which was broken on this situation right it so it's all about justice which is why like an elon twitter not because of money he, they were lying mm-hmm. so when it comes to lying it happens to be those type people are, they have their superpowers and three or four things and their photographic memory and their visuals and and all their stuff and then they all hate justice they they, they all hate injustice right mm-hmm. and so in that you have all this stuff. Now you would go, have you actually been to a doctor and diagnosed? Trust me. You want to live at my house for a week. You'll go this, this crazy bastard. He's 1000%. Oh yeah. It took me a couple hours. And then when you go, Hey, I think I have this. And the rest of your world for the last 20 years goes, I knew that 20 years ago. And then my wife's like, well, why didn't you tell him? And they go, tell Chris Brackett that he's autistic. Like they did, they, and I'm like, Oh no, he loves the truth. You got to tell him the truth. So in this whole thing, that's kind of why I had a heart for Salvo and those kind of Uh misfit people. My, my dad had this, I think my dad was was the same way because it's genetic. And, uh, but my dad was really a recluse and I think he battled it and it wasn't accepted back in 1950 to nine for 2000, whatever, when he died. And so he, he battled that with alcoholism. Well, I battled that with shooting stuff and creating my art. If I wasn't doing those two things, man, that was it. I didn't care about money as long as I had a place to stay. And so the people like Salvo and these really creative people, they were my, they were my dudes. I was building my little superpower team, but I didn't know that I, that I couldn't change them. I couldn't change their hearts. Some people are vindictive. Some people are just, they just can't beat the white trash out of them, man. You just can't do it. Right. And I think, you know, you, you, you just have the people. And I really, I really believed in number one, I believed in the government. I believed it was honest and I believed in justice and the American way we were all beat that into our head in the seventies and eighties and in school, Mm -hmm. I believed in it. I thought everybody was a great person. I thought everybody was like me. 
half the people don't remember what you talk to them about. And then they'll just deny that you ever did it. That's how they get out of deals, right? I remember every word. And it, that's why when somebody would go back on something that I remembered photographically, or they would hurt me, or they would do something, it would trigger me to want to break their face. Right. And so I didn't, now I went back and went, Oh my gosh, this has been going on for 40 years. That's why when I say this, what happened really, it, it saved my life. It saved my life from the fact that I was in, I was almost married a girl in North Carolina, that whole family, everything I had there. I loved her. She loved me. And then that situation didn't work no matter how bad we wanted to because of families, because of what happened. And you really can't change reality sometimes that the world is, is showing in front of you. Um, and then I found the woman that I had always wanted to be with and had been with my, my wife now, and she had anybody the whole time we broke up, but we were together for 15 years. And then we've been together uh, another three years after we got married and we put, you know, we had found Jesus. We had found, you know, the gospel and knew what it said. We put our lives in uh, on hold as far as the sexual relationship and worked on our basis for what we wanted for marriage. And we had never done that. We had lived in sexual sin and we had, you know, all this upbringing of how we, how we looked at life and, and what was any different about that than hunting. If you're, if, you know, if, if you're, if you're having all these doubts of, you know, you, you where's your conviction lie? Well, if you're not taught anything, how are you going to be convicted about it? So me not knowing the gospel, that was really rough on my life with sexual sin brought by my father. And a lot of people are like, what the hell does that have to do with the damn deer and the poaching incident? Well, it has everything to do with decisions that you make in the character. Because I don't think that it was that I'm that that I shot deer. I think everybody would shoot the living shit out of deer if they could shoot them. Um and, and as many as they could, if, if, if the consequences were very small, mm -hmm. uh, I, but I do believe that everybody would drink all the beers and eat all the baby back ribs and, and have all the sex. That's from a show. I don't even know it's a movie, but they can have all the sex and, and, and have all the, you know, the Sodom and Gomorrah stuff. And so it just goes back to the decisions you make and who you were as a person. I have been bold my whole life and I have been truthful my whole life. And I have, you know, trying to surround myself uh, with people that I that I was trying to help because I couldn't help myself. And I'm just happy I don't have a needle in my arm. And so those things led to my decisions as far as a killer and a hunter and what ended up happening. So you got to imagine. So here's a guy that I've done the I've done the flying fish thing. I've created a sport out of stupid fish jumping behind a boat. I did 10,000 copies of a DVD out of the basement of my dad's house. My wife had, you know, had got a divorce. She had cheated on me and we had got a divorce uh, when I, and broke my heart. And so I lived in my dad's basement and out of my truck with a camera, a GL1 camera that I bought $3,500 on a, on a credit card. And I created my art and I had built everything and then started doing the flying fish and uh, then created that, then won Golden Moose Awards with Lee and Tiff and all these people, whatever. Then they give me Aeroflixion. I take Aeroflixion to the top. I won't compromise my values and morals of what they want me to do because they just wanted me to sell out. They wanted right. to create a really cool show. And have me sign And if you knew anything about Aeroflixion, they tried to put another host in and the host flopped because he didn't have the heart. Like we didn't do it. I didn't do it for money. I made 30 grand a year and I'd lived off that. Jody, I was living with Jody at the time and, uh, and she was making money. And so she made it possible for me to do all this. And we started guiding flying fish and making videos and everything. And then uh, did Aeroflixion and I walked away from it. 
Shockey offered me a $350,000 contract to go do his brand uh, and help him produce Uncharted because Brandlin had never uh, produced an outdoor television. And he, he still says to this day, this guy's the most arrogant guy out there. But in Shockey's definition of Shockinese, uh, he uh, thinks arrogancy is great. And that's, that's okay. But that's what he thinks. He, it's that and confidence. And you could call him up right now. He, you know, he's a, he's a great guy, but that cat is so eccentric and how he sees everything. And I got, I got books of shocky stories, but I turned them down because I had just been screwed over by intermedia. Right. And shocky actually offered me this giant contract and I went up and I helped all, all this stuff. And, and, you know, so like, I was living the dream. I did everything and all these things I, I will want to talk about on further episodes with you. And then again, on land life, my podcast, shameless plug. I want people to go, but I want to, I want to do stuff together with you guys, but Chris Brackett's land life on both all three categories that you guys are on, but that's why I want to, I'd love to have the kind of questions you guys ask to be able to do this on mine or yours and dive into these little, these little micro segments. And I, I told Shockey and Greg Getchow to get, get bent and walked out of Shockey's uh indiana jones uh arc our archives in his house and uh and had dinner with him and Corey Knowlton and it was me and eva and and our whole whole team and i passed up opportunities like that to do my art because i didn't want to be controlled um they uh, waddell's gone on record to say that i have that i passed up more of these giant opportunities um, with the shockies of the world, whatever, if you ever interview him, ask him about these, like he, he literally said that this guy, because of the talent I had and what the drive I had, um, and the no kids and the no mortgage stuff that I had the greatest opportunities in the, in the world. And he said he would have been bigger than me or shocky or anybody because he had all the support from everybody. And, um, and that was just a testament to, I wanted to do my art. And it's a roundabout way of going, I was doing my art. I didn't care about the deer. I didn't care about the, whatever, when you're killing deer, the way I was killing big deer and just lots of animals, you get really desensitized. I think to life, I think you get desensitized to hot women and barbecue ribs and alcohol and drugs. I think everything that's, that can be overindulged in and not set on the altar before Jesus, that he died for our sins. I believe all of that stuff is, uh, get emotional, man, thinking about it because of how heavy it was generationally with my dad and, and just holding that sin in for so long. And really you're convicted by it, but you really don't know how much that you're convicted by it because you know, something's wrong, but you don't know how to get away from it because of those five people that you're around. And now the core unit of people that, uh, that I'm around are, man, they're good for me. They root for me, man. They, they, they help me every day and they don't help me for monetary gain uh they want me to win they are fired up by some crazy uh idea that i got that they're like that's just that's just unbelievable like do it and and uh the support system and i just i never had that in my life and it wasn't until i just forgave my dad one day because i realized that he didn't he didn't have the answers either and that that's a lot of what my podcast is about so if this is if this is touching you guys you uh, in some way, man stuff, man, act like man, iron sharpens iron, go check out my a podcast. Um, and it, I get more in depth with it, but it's about that generational sin that leads to the the decisions you make and the people that you're around. If I had it to do over right now, my red flags would have went up, not with, not with a salvo, not with the producer that stole the footage, 
um, it would have been on the hunt from the person that invited me on the hunt in Indiana. That person, if I met them now, instantly right now, I would go, man, you know, um, here's a couple, here's a couple things that I can tell you about getting your, per your daughter or whatever into the industry. And I know you're, I, I could see the end goal. I just really thought I could help that person. Mm -hmm. And 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 I and I poured my heart out. It, you know, it talks about in the gospel where you just guard your heart, and uh, I just didn't guard my heart, and I had no one to watch my six or help me make decisions. And if I would have said something about, uh, if I would have been like, "Here's what I got. Hey, Jared, help me out. Hey, this is what I got. I got this guy. This is what they really kind of want. This is where I'm at. Whatever." And man, as soon as much my six, that had just been like, "Do you? How do you feel? Like, let's pray on it. Like, how do you feel about it? Whatever, right?" And I would have just, I wouldn't been there. Mm. I wouldn't have been there and I wouldn't have been in that situation, you know, like, like they were, you like this, like this is the Midwestern Pennsylvania thing. They're good people. Right. Good people. No, yeah. but, but they're not, they're sinful, black hearted. Yeah. This isn't our home. Don't know the gospel type stuff. Like they're not, they're not doing it as a favor for you. They're, they're doing it for a favor for them. You're, you're <laughs> just being used. And, and, uh, and so that's fine. But where I was at, the person I was staying with, they were, they had a corn pile behind the house and they were watching out the window with a freaking scope, a thermal scope. And they did it all hours of the night while we hung out and we stayed at this house. This was on the property. Now I hunted the other side of the property, but that happened. That was real. That happened. I got, I mean, it, it, it happened. And that was every night. And so that tells you the kind of mentality I was at, at the camp, let's say camp I was at, right, mm -hmm. on the property, and that's the mentality there. And in that area, they were known for being rough, right, and things like this. And and so I would not be there today because I I would be wiser. I, got, I, I don't know. I think it might be the white hair or whatever, but mm. I would be wiser. I wouldn't put myself in that position. I am not blaming them for that. I am saying I am wiser now. I am slower now. I am what is my life really worth and what is my, where is my energy? And at the time it was like, what, as long as it wasn't drugs and it really wasn't alcohol, I would consume it. Right. Chicks, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Like I had two out of the three, you know, and, and, and deer and, and filming and, and footage and creativity and art and, and, oh, this is cool. And this guy, wow. Hey, if you got a big deer, like I'll come hunt this deer. And so that's what I did, man. And, and, uh, put me in a situation where I was hunting property and the first night in during gun season. Now this is one, I'm not, not famous yet. I am, but I'm not making any money. I'm not mm. on top of the outdoor channel. I'm on top of the sports channel. If that tells you where I'm at, I don't have any hundred thousand dollar sponsorships with Mossy Oak yet. I don't have any $75,000 sponsorships with Scentlock yet. I don't have, you know, my airtime still cost me 250,000. It's not 50 grand because you know, I'm a superstar yet. Um, I'm on the cusp and I'm filming a season ahead before I go in to my big breakthrough year. And, um, you know, and Zach Brown paid me $250,000 to 200 dollars to license my, my, my name. And then even in that situation, in the middle of that, I was like, this isn't right. What he's doing isn't right for us. And so we split. And, uh, and so there, I was in the middle of a real turning point in my life when, when the incident went down in Indiana. And as I was in Indiana, and I was there at this place that I probably shouldn't have been because of the, because of the, they were the same type of people, man, that I grew up in Peoria, Illinois, and Bartonville, right. Illinois with. Well, that's hard to get uh, away from, you? man. It's all you ever knew. It's all you knew. It's, it's the same way as like the, 
most of the property that y'all hunt in Illinois, I was either on driving deer at one point or like the, when I was in high school or whatever. Was it legal? Dude, I can't tell you how many people that we hunted as a group that we just had tags. Back then, you ate every deer and it was for meat. And you, if somebody shot a big buck or it wasn't even about big bucks, it was, hey, you got your buck, you got your deer yet or whatever. And we would fill Illinois tags, everybody. How many mm -hmm. tags we got? Well, I got an extra doe tag. My dad would hardly hunt. And I'd call him and be like, hey, do you, there's a doe in front of me. This is back radios. Like, hey, I got a doe in front of me. And you're like, oh, well, we'll shoot it. We'll go home. We'll go home from Adams County, you know? <sighs> Slug gun. We'd all come down, pull it. We'd all take all the deer home, all to the garage. Everybody would cut them up. That's the way we learned, man. We just filled mm -hmm. tags, party hunted, you know? Uh, and it was illegal. Was it wrong? I mean, it was wrong when I sped my truck yesterday, too. But to that degree, what was the intention, right? Right. Uh, the, the judge taught me, the federal judge taught me something uh, in the fact that it was a lot about intention and the responsibilities as I was as a human that affected and influenced America. And that is why I was hit so hard. And I accepted that responsibility in learning that it was, that they were judging me. He's the judge. They were judging me on this earth, on this planet by who I was and who I influenced and what I was. And in that, that whole thing is I look, got to go scrub everything else in my life. Um, but I wasn't told the rules, Jeremy. I wasn't told the rules mm -hmm. to follow. I was given a pad of paper that had the Illinois rules. And I knew that book. I knew that book better than anybody because I had been slapped by these game wardens earlier in my career. I knew that even if I was bow hunting in Colorado in July, when I was hunting these velvet elk, my front, my outfitter out there is like, you're good. You're bow hunting. I'm like, I still have to wear orange, even though I'm bow hunting. Like I knew every rule across the planet. Cause once I saw them, I could remember my photographic memory. So I knew all the rules. Yep. I just didn't give a shit if I killed that first deer or not. I didn't give a shit if I killed the second deer or not. I all I cared about was the third one. Cause it was the biggest. And it was the one we're after. And if people are like, well, I don't know about the third deer. Well, I was in a blind and I was sitting there and I had shot a deer the first night in, in the snow, at 240 yards with the rangefinder with the muzzle loader, and I hard shot that sucker. But as you know, anybody shot a muzzle loader, that bolt don't expand, especially at 240. Mm -hmm. It pierced as it pierced like right, like I'm gonna guess that it went bottom lung, heart shot, mule kick. Dude, I don't miss. I'm a wound him, but I don't really miss that much in my whole career, my whole life. I don't I feel bad because I wound a lot of deer because I don't miss them. I'm going to have the range and I'm going to have the execution. And then it's just a matter if the deer wants to stand still and die. I don't care how far they are. They're my responsibility. I'm hunting them. That's on me. And, and, and so I shoot this animal. I'm sighted in for that. Dude, I hit him. Mule kicks. Come back for the reaction. Free hand salvos filming. Um, dude, I think I killed that deer. We get down. We go out there. We find blood. Um, I look for that deer for three days up and down the hills of Southern Indiana. And I, and the guy goes, well, man, I've never seen anybody look for a deer ethically. Like you guys looked for this, this deer, go ahead and go hunting again. So I spent five more days. I passed up the big deer. I ended up killing the unicorn deer at 230 yards. So less than I shot the first one at, but I didn't feel comfortable in taking the shot. Passed him up. He let him walk. I get a call from somebody that I had scheduled something for, all the way on the other side of Missouri, about down by Kansas, um, to go on a duck hunt for one day. I get in a car, I drive all the way home. 
um, all the way back there. Um, the other two people on my team, I've got hunting in Indiana. So we had this group of people that were hunting in Indiana separate from us, had all this ground that we could hunt. So our team, this sets up for the story, our team could hunt all this ground. And so I bought them tags. Here's my credit. Here's the company credit card. Hey, buy, buy you guys tags, kill one. They end up killing one buck. Uh, I got enough for a show. They're still down there. We're driving back. And my buddy says, take my gun. It's a 300, 400 yard muzzleloader. It's the beginning of the big ultimate, is mm. ultimate muzzleloader. So I swing by, I've never shot this gun, but I trust him. Like he's an outfit. He's a, he was a guide at the time and he's a, badass killer right so i pick up his gun i go out there i'm back in indiana and i go out to that blind and it starts raining and snowing and we're rushing to get back and i pick up this gun i it's already loaded i already got i just got to put one of them 45 shells on that remington ultra mag and uh i never shot it or not ultra mag that remington 45 just goes on that alta ultimate muzzleloader put that thing on there and i'm hunting um there were no, let me be clear about the rumors out there. There were no, don't shoot this deer, don't shoot that deer. And and the rumors that are going on is don't shoot this deer. Now, anybody that believes that story that somebody would tell me not to shoot a three and a half year old eight pointer, they know somebody's lying and it's not this guy. <laughs> I got, you know, so so that story is not true. Um, but for all intent purposes, I don't give a shit. It can be true. So deer starts running up the field. All these deer running up the same field, same line as the very first day. All these deer running up this field, and they start piling out, and they start piling past me. Now, realize that this story was never told to anybody but the game wardens in my living room. I told them recorded. We live in a two-party state, and the feds recorded me while the Indiana and Illinois sat there. And I told them the entire story, word for word, bam. And they still hunted me for a year to try to uncover other stuff because of all the rumors. And this is a, and, and they have all the recordings. I got to hear every statement that they ever took because that's how the law works. So after I was indicted, I got to go to my lawyers and I got to hear everything and read everything. And so, um, sucks for them. I have photographic memory, right? Why don't we write a book? Right. But this is the first time we've ever talked about it, except for, for people in my house are breaking bread and there's a lot more to it. But at the end of the day, that deer, those deer come running up. There's probably 20 or 30 of them running up this clover field all the way to us, just, just piling out, running to us. And, and I'm trying to make decisions and it's raining and I got a new gun and, uh, insert 42 excuses. Doesn't matter. Shit's happening fast. And these deer running up and I look at Salvo and I go, I'm I'm ready for it to be over. It's freaking December, January. My my back's out. I'm beat. I don't give a rat's about what deer it is. I just want a dead one to finish this show and go home. ATA show's coming up. Shot show. I got a whole nother Harrisburg coming up. I'm just mm-hmm. dreading my life. Deer's coming up. I'm like, is he big enough? Now Savo's never been on a hunt with me. He don't know. He's just holding this sucker in the window. And the window's about <laughs> window's about this big, man. Probably it's a gun window. It's probably this big. So the camera is taking up most of it. I'm trying to look around and look up the field. And this sucker's running up, up and down these hills straight at us. And I'm like, 128, 132. He's not very big, but he'll do. He's wide, but he's an eight-pointer. I'm like, ah, shit. So I've got the gun, and I see these other deer popping out of this valley to my right. And I've got the wind. And they're all going to this cornfield back behind us. And uh, I look to my right. And I see these deer popping out, but this deer is coming so fast. I got to make a decision. And I hear, I'm on him. I got him. 
Well, it's almost like second nature. I'm I'm on the gun. I'm like, ah, forget it. Click safety off. Never shot this gun for. All smoke. Now, mind you, I that that gun's probably taken up that much of that big window, right? Mm-hmm. I was in it. New cameraman, plenty of space, laying on the thing. Smoke. Camera comes back to me. I got them. Let me just let you know that I got them every time in my whole life <laughs> because I don't know if we're going to find them. Right. So I do what I'm a professional, like you were talking about earlier, yeah. either a killer or an entertainer. Entertainer turns on. I know that one clip is better than better than cutaways. So it comes to me. I'm I'm a pro, flip on the switch. Yeah, baby, we got them. I'm like, we smoked them, whatever. And so I say, so after I get what I know, because I'm I'm producer, I'm producing in my head. And I'm like, okay, that's it. So we shut it off. And him being a new guy, he just doesn't turn it off. And I say, dude, shut that thing up. Like, what the hell are these deer to the right? Now, I don't know if we've killed them. I don't even care. I look at these deer to the right, and I go ahead and load up because I don't know if this other deer there. All I saw when when smoke cleared was those 35 deer running across that green clover field. Right. All the the way, 200 yards. And uh, I look to my right, and there's... There is the buck that we're after, the unicorn buck that I had seen five days earlier or whatever and didn't get an opportunity, the one that they want me to shoot. I load that sucker up. I pull it out that window right there, and I hear, I'm on him. And I'm like, shit, and I don't care. I'll deal with it later. I clicked off that safety, put it on his butthole and pulled the trigger, and that sucker dropped like a sack of potatoes. I do another. I do another. We got him. I think it's a new clip, and I'm like, well, we either got a mess on our hands or we got one dead. Either way, our asses are going home. And so that was it, man. So we got out. We got, uh, it was too dark in there to do anything. We got out, we went down the field and, uh, we went down the field. Um, and I went out to where that deer, the first deer was like 50 yards or whatever. Um, and combed real quick and he was still in the blind. And I'm like, there ain't nothing. There's just deer tracks all over in this old clover alfalfa. I come back up to the blind and I go out to, uh, I go black, back out to the right side. And, uh, and so he films me from there in the blind, go out. Cause I knew I could cut then to him down real quick. And then mm-hmm. to the deer and I could change the light if we needed to do it tomorrow. I get out there, man. I found the deer. I do my recovery. I talk about, ah, I missed the first one and I didn't know if we'd use it. And I did my real fast one take recovery and, uh, clip them up put the at the i think it's a paper tag man like so like it's just it's just a very lax situation on the state's part and on my part and the people i'm around's part really lax all the way around even this even the situation to where if i'd have stayed there and called the game warden i would have been 125 hour fine i would have kept the deer and uh and so at this point i don't even think i hit the first one i don't think i hit him from the blind i don't think i hit him from my thing I can literal I can literally say that I have no idea if I hit him, but I didn't care if I hit him. But it wasn't about the inches for me. But there was the biggest deer at the time, and uh, and I I put I think he had to put it in a in a, a Ziploc bag and then tape it to the antler. And I think that's what we did. We got that somehow. We were able to get through the muddy field, get to the oh the road went right to the blind. We were able to drag him 50, 60 yards, get him in there. Didn't think nothing of it. Just put him in the back, uh, called whoever, and you know, celebrated. But we were so tired, man. I was so tired after 200 days of hunting. Really, 
um, been gone since August that it was just had taken a toll on my soul and my body and everything. And you just, you just don't care. It's just, you just don't care about anything. And, uh, and as we did it, we, we just went ahead and, uh, uh, threw him in the back. Salvo's an old, you know, New York, he's been in his own game violation, whatever is just kind of the way of life. You're like, you're, you're party hunting again when you're 12. Remember, I'm not famous yet. I'm making nothing 30 grand a year. Yeah. What do I got to lose? Right. I think that's the part that people didn't really understand was it was so early that it hadn't happened. I, even my contracts that I had signed with these big companies later on, that was like, make sure you don't break the law during this thing. Like I could have fought those because that the, I didn't do it while I was with you. Mm -hmm. And so, and so then, so the, the next morning we were told to go and we were supposed to go and promote the place that I was hunting. And we did that. And all these fans came in and social media was a big thing and we were doing whatever. And uh, we did all that. And I go, well, we have to go back out to the field. Um, and when you go back out to the field and filming, you have to, like I told you, I was legal. I just probably didn't, I just didn't care about animals. I didn't care about whitetails. I killed too many of them. Those desensitized, man. Um, probably like the guys in Vietnam or whatever. Like they just, they just, they're in war. I was in war. I was fighting for my life, doing my dream. And I just didn't care about whitetails. It wasn't that I didn't have ethics. It's just, I didn't care. So I knew the, I knew the rules that we were right off this big main road. And I knew that they had had approaching poaching problems on this big road in Southern Indiana. Cause one side is fenced and the other side, these deer would try to get in. I know they had a lot of people that had shot deer there or whatever. And that the game warden we had talked to earlier, cause he had stopped us that he was already there uh, that day. And so when we came back, I said, we have to leave this place of business that we were at and we have to go back to shoot the rest of, I just had in my brain, I want to have this vision of the blind we were in and the sunset and whatever. And I knew to go back out in that field in orange with a gun was going to be a no, no, unless we had a tag. Mm -hmm. The other two people are hunting Southern Indiana. So we have other places to go. So there was a no brainer for me to pull out my credit card and buy Salvo a tag. Cause now we got a tag wing film mm -hmm. in the blind. Yeah. So we took the, so we went, we drove right to that blind. I backed the truck off far enough that I went out in the field and I was getting a shot out in the field. So we have a tag. We're in the blind. We're getting these little cutaways. We're getting all this stuff, little thing. I know I can darken it up, have producers darken it up in post or whatever. We're getting everything we need so we can go home. And I go out in this field. And what I'm about ready to tell you now is probably a lawyer would say, no, don't tell it, but I don't care. I want somebody to go over there and check this field. I mean, if I have to be legal as everybody else, I went out in this field, way out in this field, and I look up, and I'm 100-something, 200 yards out there, and I'm sh shooting this thing, and I look to my right, and around the corner, around these pine trees, is an old feeder. But it's in a feeder aisle to where you know that the middle of the day isn't, uh, the middle of the season wasn't the last time that it was baited. Was it baited while I was there? I honestly believe no. But at the time, instantly, you instantly have this sinking, horrible feeling. One, you kind of know the people that you're around. Right. They're probably not there for you to win. They really benefit by you killing a big deer. For sure. And if you don't know about it, you don't know about it. And I turned that corner and I went, I, my whole heart and everything sank because I was like, we've been set up. If you feel like you've been set up, how fast are you going home? fast you're going home in the fastest <laughs> speed ever right so now i'm like oh shit and i'm like stab will get down here so he comes down i'm like leave the camera dude look at this we go over and i'm gonna go look and go how screwed am i do i call the game warden 
do I do whatever we get the crap out of here. So I'm indicating right now with this feed bait station. So realize in Illinois, you can't even spill salt off your fries in August or, or an off season, right? Like you can't do any, you can't feed, you can't feed them in your backyard. No, nope. you can't spill salt off your fries. Can't do anything. So I immediately freak out. I forget that Indiana, like Iowa, you can feed or bait away from um, bait for pictures or you can feed in the off season. And then I think like me and Tiffany got that crush cam at their house. And I know where that is because I've hunted that field that connects to the back entrance. But where that thing is, if that deer is coming and going from that feed, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go look at that thing to see if if there was any food or anything on the ground. And to me, it was not baited. It was not fed. Hadn't been fed while we were there. But it sure as crap had been. It wasn't June right. the last time some corn had been yeah. in there, right? And if you're going to find it, you're going to find like big time. Some of this stuff has. There was no way anybody was testing that soil and not finding minerals. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I went, oh, shit. And as we say, oh, shit, it doubled real fast. We look down and there's a blood trail. And as we see that there's a blood trail, what would you two do if you found a blood trail right now out in the driveway? You follow, follow it. Because yep. you're gangsters. Like, you'd follow it, dude. Like, what is this? I'm like, dude, is this the first deer? We've been looking all night. And so uh, so I'm like, let's go follow it. So I looks at me. I look at him. We go follow the blood, dude. We follow it down into these big cedars and 200 and something yards, 250 yards away from where I shot. And if I would have shot good or I knew the gun or whatever, it shouldn't have gone that far. And there's this eight-pointer laying dead. Is it the eight-pointer I shot at? Dude, I still don't care. Is it probably? Probably. But do I know? Did I look at it long enough? I didn't even give a shit. You know how many 128-inch eight-pointers I've passed and seen and killed in my life? I just didn't care. And I'm like, dude. If this is because it could have got shot off the road, sure. But at the point, I was just like, but shit. And Salvo goes, I ain't coming back here. Um, I got my tag, and I was like, dude, tag that thing up. We tagged that sucker up and already had the other one in the back of the friggin' truck, threw them both in there and skedaddled. I assume and, you uh, checked that deer, like Salvo checked that deer with the with Indiana, whatever telecheck or however they did it. Yeah, yeah, we checked both of them in. Yep, we just party hunted, dude. So yeah. Both, yeah, but both legally tagged other than the fact that he didn't shoot the deer. Yep. Got it. Both legally tagged. Yep. 100%. Both of them were tagged. Both of them were eaten. Like the only thing I screwed up on is I just didn't care mm. enough and slow down. And so many people that I had heard all the stuff and I've listened to it all. It just doesn't affect me because my life isn't affected by people that don't know. And, you know, at the time I was like, okay, well, the only thing you can get me through this, the gospel. And I remember Jesus standing in the middle when he was being, you know, just when he was standing in the middle when everybody was like, Are you, you know, they're questioning him. Mm-hmm. And it, and I, it really, I had been praying through it. And he, they literally, he literally did not say anything to justify that he was the son of God or anything else, admittance or non-admittance, because it didn't matter what he said. Their decision had already been made. And, and I just went, hmm. That is probably my first step at being wise is just shut up. Let these people go. Let these people be mad. And going back to the first thing we talked about when we were on when we started was you said there were entertainers and then there were people that were hunters. And I was an enigma. I was something different. I was a combination of the two, but I cared about the people because I was the ultimate consumer. I still am. 
I love outdoor TV. I love movies. I love producing. I love, you know, the end of a movie and understand it for the production value of it. And, you know, even what we're doing here and the technology that we're doing speaking, you know, I could, I could sneeze and you guys could say, bless you. And the fact that that technology is going across the country right now, that's what makes my heart pound. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was, I just decided to shut up. I didn't get on the internet. I didn't do an interview till right now. I decided that I was going to use Chris Brackett's Land Life podcast and uh, somebody, when they prove themselves worthy, Jared, to look past the Chris Brackett answer of the wall of the safeguard to guard my heart. And you showed up in my house, man. None of the other guys showed up in my house. And I was like, all right, let, let's go with this. Let's, let's organically grow and grow out and figure it out. And and that was it. And so uh, that's what made us here. But that's, you know, that's the story. That's where we're at. And, and, and then so never got home, took the footage like we always do, went through it and it was like, dude, just lose, just lose the one clip. Because I didn't know that Salvo didn't clip it. So mm-hmm. I didn't go well, in and go well, like Chris, lose the clip. I'm sorry to interrupt. It's- Obviously, great story here. I, that's the one. That's the one mm-hmm. moment of the in the situation there where it's like, it, you know, if if you look back and be like, man, that's if there was a second to pause, it'd be, at, you know, after you shot at that first deer, and where you you were uncertain or didn't know or or maybe in your heart you, you did know or I don't know. Are you talking? Hold on a second. Go Are ahead. you talking about second deer? Yeah, really technically, the second deer. of the three second deer. deer going into yeah. third deer. First deer, you right. did everything you were supposed to do. Yeah. You shot at it. Everything. You searched for three days. You couldn't find. We've all. I mean, yeah. anybody that's hunted long enough has done that. For we sure. went way further than what the normal person does, but we've all been to that place. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and I don't right. think I don't think you did anything wrong. You know, pursuing that deer as long as you could. The first one. Yep. Uh, landowner should go ahead and yeah. hunt. You know, that's what you do. You know, yep. after you put in a solid effort, you yeah. you try again. And so that night. You know, when, when the eight point, you know, all these 35 deer were coming in, you shoot the first one. I, I can totally, you know, try to understand your mindset of at the end of 200 days of hunting. I, you know, I get it. Uh, maybe not to the mm. level of having lived it, but I, I can understand. Um, yeah. And so after. Because I had never killed a booner. I had never killed a booner, Jared. I had yeah. never killed a 150, uh, 160 inch deer. I had never killed that. What we, you guys talk about all the time. I hadn't killed that 160. Yeah. Well, well, I hadn't killed that pinnacle. So let me ask you this. I mean, after you shot that first deer, like in in your heart of hearts, were you, and you kind of answered it earlier. I just, I just want to go back to it. It's like, do you, did you think that you shot that, killed that first one? And you're like, we'll figure it out. I'm going to shoot the second one. Or did you, I knew I, I, I knew that I killed, I mean, I've in my brain, even the deer that I've missed, I've killed them. Yeah. If I'm pulling a trigger or pointing a gun, they're dead already. Like, so I think me being on that black of of a black and white line, if I pull my intent is there, no matter whether I ever pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to me, the answer to your question, very black and white, very black. I I pulled up a gun on it. It's Mm -hmm. dead. Yep. Right. I just didn't care. Yeah. Mm. I should care. Yeah. Right. A lot of people are going to hear this and go like, damn, I probably don't care as much either. I'll just get my brother's tag and my dad's tag well, or whatever. Uh, well, I mean, dude, that is a, that's a moment where we've all been in it. Every single person, mm-hmm. whether it's deer hunting or something else, has been in a situation where you're about to do something you know is wrong. And, mm-hmm. you know, so when I'm talking about like a moment of pause, it's like, it's just interesting to reflect on that situation for you. Yeah, there was a lot of circumstances, that, you know, probably that led to you deciding i'm gonna shoot the second deer anyways um but i mean p- for me you have that did you did you have that la- a lot of people get 
to have that last drink and get in that car. Sure. But yeah, exactly. For, for me, that's the biggest yeah. moral of your story. I'm trying to put it in like, perspective for folks yeah. out there that need to get off their hunting high horse and look at it from a person, a yeah. broken, sinful human that we all are and go take out hunting. The part where everybody's getting messed up is they're, they're doing it because we're doing a hunting sure. outdoor land podcast. Nope. This has to do with humans doing stupid shit yeah. all the time. The last beer getting in the car, that girl that just, man, she smells awful good. And I just had a couple of drinks after a golf round. Like, do you, do these guys kiss her? You know, do, do, are you working at long hours with this other girl at the office? Where's your sin at? Mm-hmm. We all got them. I'm just really good at killing. I'm just really addicted to it. I like the blood. Yeah. And hmm. I got paid for it. And became, well, we'll charge him with a felony because he directs the lives of all these people. All these people look at him. And even you now, you guys buying land and you guys hunting all these states and you've been doing it for a while, but I've just, now you're a big deal, right? <laughs> you're a big deal. If, if they can prove that you got $350 invested in that hunt, buddy, that you're telling people about deer. And now all of a sudden you have a responsibility that now becomes a felony because of $350. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, man. Just right? like, and then that's it, that, that's it, another part we can still talk about. But go ahead. It's the perfect go ahead temptation where, where you were. You were like, it's the perfect temptation for Chris. It's like, dude, in a moment of weakness that you laid it out, and it's like to have such such a a pinnacle moment, like in your, you know, yep. in that hunt, in in that season, in that career, to be like, do I pull the trigger on this or not? And then everything that unfolded, you know, afterwards is like, I, I think your honesty on it now is just like. What a great learning experience for people like slow that to just to slow that moment down. And it's like you could have made a decision there. And there's probably follow up decisions, you know, to where you're like, well, I could have handled it differently after we found it. I could have called the warden. I could have, you know, whatever you could have done. But the first one was, do I, do I pull that trigger the second time or, or not? Right. Well, I, yeah. like, you know, the you're 100% correct. I think the the hurt emotion was what I was trying to get to was people loved me because they could drink a beer with me and they could relate to me. My ass stayed at the booth from daylight till dark in Harrisburg Mm -hmm. for a decade. Right. I talked to every person that had time because I loved what I was doing, but I truly loved them. Like I truly loved people, even though I hate people like that's my sinful heart. But I knew what my mission was with Christ before I ever knew the gospel. I knew it was to spend with these people and, and people related to me down because I was publicly ridiculed and people will so fast turn because they, I let them down. They felt like I called somebody names. I belittled this other cameraman that didn't happen till like two months before that, or like a couple months before this happened. And he just, he just wanted to be relative. And I get that too. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was a, it was one of the things where I let down so many people and I'll apologize to them, but really I don't, I don't want fans for a long time I wanted fans I don't care about having fans I care about um, if when I leave this earth if I leave this earth it doesn't matter I don't have any kids I doesn't care about a legend I don't even care if I'm buried I don't care if there's a funeral Um, and this is completely opposite from when I was a super famous TV hunter is that boy, I wanted a lake that kids could fish named after me, man. I, right now, I'd have all my Golden Moose Awards behind me up here. I'd have all these accolades. The, the deer trophies, I mean, there's a reason why the Boone and Crockett's that I got here and stacked up next to me, that they're not even mounted yet because they just don't mean anything to me. 
I've done all the things I've caught every dream I've ever wanted, except for having kids. And I, I've done it all. And, and, uh, what I just realized in, in all of this was, um, it all, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad decision. It was that I was praying to the Lord through to find the gospel. And he just allowed, he allowed them people that were in my life to go ahead and do the thing, stealing the footage. So that the part, that's the part people don't know is that the, the producer that, that was my, I thought was my best friend that I was trying. He stole that footage, man. He took that thumb drive. He took that thumb drive. When we got home, he took that thumb drive and he hid that thumb drive. And on that thumb drive, he wrote the golden clip and he vindictively took this clip. Now, if you say, ah, he's lying. Actually, there's transcripts of this, of what he told the feds. It happens to be that, that, that recording. He took that and he hit it. And when he was moonlighting and going behind my back after um, getting arrested for crack cocaine in Peoria, Illinois, um, and then getting out of that, and, you know, we were all working to help each other, I thought, but really I was definitely there to help him. Um, he took that piece of footage and he, he hid that footage. And then when he was fired four years later and he was let go, that I just told him to drop off all the stuff at the office and we didn't ever have to talk and I wished him the best. Uh, he took that clip and it's all again on recorded audio that is federal. So it doesn't have to be two party. It's transcripted. And he takes that, he took that clip and he gave that to other people and he sent it to the landowner and the landowner lost his mind. And then he went live and then all hell broke loose, which was the greatest moment of my life because it, it, it saved my life. And all this stuff that was meant for bad, God meant for good. And so it had happened that the landowner lost his marbles, but he called me. Two things happened. One, the gentleman stole the footage, sent me text after text after text after text to go, never talk about me again. Never talk about me again. Never talk about me again. And I would just continue to keep it. It was very weird because now all of a sudden he was out of my company. I wasn't going to not talk about him. I was just, I just simply said that he wasn't around. He wasn't with us anymore. I wished him the best, whatever. And one night he lost it. I had just killed go round. I just killed a giant deer. And so even though he had left and even though whatever I, ha I was on a high and he was going to bump me down a notch mm -hmm. and they started texting and that was it. And then it, uh, it went from there. And all of a sudden, next thing I know it was viral. And in 24 hours, I had made a decision with the VPs of the outdoor channel that said, Dude, if we take you off right now, these these sponsors will have to eat. They'll, they'll have to eat their their contracts, and you will. And they've already left you. They've been public about it, and you won't have to pay us the remainder of the balance of a couple hundred thousand dollars. So they did me a favor. And they yeah. said, "Hey, we're with you. We get it. This is just a bad situation, and you're being made an example of." Knows it. So I took it, the stuff off the off the outdoor channel and. The game wardens called me and said, hey, we got this clip. And I said, come over. I'd never been in trouble before. I didn't know that it was shut the F up Friday. I didn't know. I'd never been in trouble. I'd never been in cuffs, never been in trouble. So I invited the, the, the Illinois guy and the Indiana guy and the Fed over to my house. They walked to my house, got a guy from church to come witness it. I told him the whole story, just like I told you guys. And they said, that's not what happened. And they, I gave them the deer. I gave them the sheds off the deer. And then they, 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 they definitely after indictment and after 
getting the information from that time to the indictment was 11 months and they waited till five days before the statute of limitations was gone. And the reason I wasn't charged in Indiana was because Indiana's punishment for what I did was $125 and I kept the deer. When I, when I came over that border yep. to Illinois, I, I became a felony that, and because federal. I the, federal. Yep. And if you don't know what it is, guys, you guys need to look it up. Like just say, you know, Jared, if you, uh, it was rainy or nasty that day you shot your second buck or whatever in Illinois, if you wouldn't have cut out that little notch on that little gun tag and you just brought them back, but they had, let's say footage or a picture on the internet of that deer in two different locations back in Indiana and that notch wasn't, you make more than $350 to, to go after a deer, get paid to deer hunt. It is now a felony charge on you because you influence America and you should know better. You should have checked that. So it didn't matter if, it didn't matter if I killed 50 deer or if you just didn't notch that Illinois tag. The minute you cross that border, if they want to go after you, they will get you. And if you did it on, if they think you did it on purpose that you and Jeremy talked about it, now that's conspiring. And you're in the same boat. The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Muddy. Man, Jared, we probably have been using Muddy products for at least 10 years now. It's a long time, dude. It's been a long time. And I can remember when it was simply just safety harnesses and camera arms of all things. And, you know, that's evolved to where you and I both have a bunch of box blinds as well i would say a bunch but yeah they, they've come a long way and certainly the box blinds are, are huge shot that buck of your shoulder out of a muddy box blind a couple of years ago the harness and, and all of the other safety accessories really are, are a major component of, of what muddy offers for me um, you know we've had some injuries in the past you know some, some tree stand accidents this, this is all back before we were using uh, you know frankly harnesses mm-hmm. uh, the lineman's belt while we're hanging stuff and the safe lines i have those in every single one of uh, you know our fixed tree stands now and uh, so we really have made safety a priority. Uh, that That's a big deal for us. And, uh, you know, Muddy has everything we need for that. Yeah, and I think uh, the cool thing about Muddy is anyone listening to the Hunter podcast can save 20% using the code HUNTER20. That's H-U-N-T-R-2-0. Uh, anything that you can see on the Muddy Outdoors store online, use that code. Save yourself 20% for this hunting season. Go Muddy. So, Chris, let me ask you this because you bring up that 350 rule. So, uh, you know, average Joe does the exact same thing you did. Yeah. What's he get hit with? Poach all the deer you want, just stay in your state. <laughs> They're wow. not going to hit you with a, fe- a felony. My point is, is I'm not telling anyone to poach. No, but no, I'm just, no. I, I'm just understanding yeah. the, the clarity because clearly yeah. the fact you, you say that amount of money as in like that is a factor in what they threw at you from an American influence standpoint. Yeah, if you get if you go to Target with your wife and you decide to put something in your pocket and walk out the door, if that value is over three hundred fifty dollars. That's a felony. Like no questions asked, they can hit you with that. Now you got to defend yourself, and it's America where you can defend yourself. It took me four years to get my FOID card back, which is not really an American thing, but it's an Illinois thing where you have a firearm owner's identification to even hold a gun in the state of Illinois. So because they charged me heavy on the the felony stuff, they could control the fact that I couldn't even have a gun. Wow. And then when I went ahead and took the probation for 30 months, um, I couldn't leave a 13 county area. And that was on a, that was on a misdemeanor. So I only have a misdemeanor. Hmm. Like I, I beat everything because it was never a felony. It, w- it was, it was arguable on its face that the, even the charges, and if I wouldn't have let them in my house, they'd have never got me. 
And well, if that, I wouldn't have yeah. gave them the deer, admitted the deer was even in Illinois, they'd have never got me. So that was they the Lacey Act side of things, right? From Indiana to Illinois, that's when mm-hmm. they brought in the Lacey Act against you. That was the only thing they had because the two-year statute in Indiana. Yep. You know, that's why I'm comfortable also about talking about it. That was what the timing was, is that everything I've said today is true or we can be pro- proved by record. Um, and And so all of that stuff is either factual or proved on record that had been said or done and nothing that I would have admitted to. Um, it's past five years, mm-hmm. right? You're right. Statute been, of limitations over. Statute of limitations up unless it's murder, right? Unless people sure. have murdered people or whatever. There's some of that stuff, but I, I can't be charged again for the same crimes. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, the landowner so seems what, like he kind of teed this off, but, I mean, per the feeder thing, like, that dude's not innocent either, right? <laughs> and the, here's the well, here's the crazy part. The game wardens never – that's just a gray area, right? Because you have to realize – and here's the, here's the tough part, Jeremy. You're going to love this brain twister. If I wasn't – if I wasn't able to be written – wrote or written – my mom's a teacher. She'd kill me. Written a written, written, written. a ticket in Indiana. Mm-hmm. How could I be charged by a felony? Sure. Or how could I be charged in the Lacey Act if I was never broke the law in Indiana? It was argue, It was it was dismissed. It should have been dismissed on its face, and they shouldn't have been able to do it because I wasn't because the Lacey Act reads that in the in, that you have to break the law and be convicted of a mm. citation in, in that Indiana. state. Yeah. Correct. Never. I never got a ticket. Yeah. Did your lawyer bring that up as you were being prosecuted? We argued it on its face, but it had never been argued in the world. So it was unprecedented. So the judge allowed it. Mm. I see. Probably to, on, this was probably to make an News example within 48 hours of me getting in trouble. Yeah. They're it was on Fox News. Yeah, I was on Fox News. Dude. Was, oh, wow. uh, I was deer hunting. I was deer hunting. Uh, I was hunting the deer I called Penguin. He was the last deer I shot. And uh, I was I was hunting by myself. And I came out of the woods to it. And it was like, well, you guys were in Kansas, so it would have been right before dark. And I got a message. Well, when I, when I got in trouble, I got in trouble. But when I got indicted, it was November 18th. And uh, my wife, at at the time, I was seeing her again. And I said... I have just been indicted and it was on the internet before I was told about it. Oh. And so I went and hid in a hotel because they had to serve you or they had to, they would just come get you. They could have got me and thrown me in jail. What now, was your reaction? What, what did you because, think, Chris? I mean, at this time, did you give a shit? Like, did you actually, were you still in that? I don't care mindset or now were you like, Oh boy. Well, I, you know, well, so for a year, I, I was broke. I had to sell everything I had. I was living in a little bit of house. I didn't have a savings, and I had just spent, I just had made myself a 200 and something thousand dollar budget to film all the episodes. So what people probably don't know about TV, and I'd love to do another podcast, talk about how TV works, but I would buy the airtime for eighty dollars to $150,000. I would own the airtime. And then the scent locks or whoever would pay me money, and then pay for the airtime and then whatever I made was for my hunt budget and all the salaries. And I paid all these guys like 50, they paid them more than I paid me 50, $75,000 to be in my production 
stuff and uh, to do my production stuff all year and, and be my in-house because I didn't, I didn't look at it as a business. It was a family. And so I, I kept everybody in-house and I kept them fed and they all had kids and I, I gave them all everything. I didn't save any money and, and I, I pay myself 50 grand and I paid everybody else these salaries and I created Castle Kill, which is a place that had apartments and they lived there rent free and we traveled the world and I included them on everything. For me, it was a lifestyle. It wasn't a business. Mm -hmm. And so I knew nothing about business. It was just a passion project. And, and then these guys just took advantage of that. Like this is what was happening. And so it was, I didn't have the boundaries. I didn't have the wisdom to have the boundaries. I didn't have to do it as a business. So I had spent every dollar we had filming. And when did it happen? It happened in December. And what happened or December, January, budget. it had happened in December. Yep. So I had already spent that 200 and something thousand dollar budget and I had already paid all their salaries. Yeah. So I was broke Bro. again, just getting ready to air all 20 of these episodes and get those paychecks from them sponsors. And so I never got to air the footage. So I never got those checks mm. and I didn't even get to finish the first, uh, the, the, the episodes we were in because we had two more months. So I didn't get the final payments on the contracts of the 17 model or the, the 17 contracts. So I literally had zero dollars in my account and I couldn't pay the $30,000 fine. And, and I was serving a three months, uh, a 30 month sentence to sit out and they wanted me to go to jail. Here's the two things that they wanted me wanted from me. They, this, this other mouse, they wanted, to not only send me to jail, they wanted me to serve time. And the second one was they wanted me to flip on everything that I had ever, everything that was in five years federally, they knew that I had been in a crap ton of camps and they knew that it, there was only two ways out of this. One, take my, take as hard as they wanted to hit me and take, plea the deal mm -hmm. and, and go guilty right off the bat, which is what I did when I realized real quick, it wasn't about me. It was what they else they could get. Mm -hmm. And I just went, I'm not playing any games. I'm out. I'm sorry. I will sit out. God's going to use it for good. It's going to be the hardest thing I ever did. And that, that's what happened. And uh, yeah, man, it was, uh, it was a wild deal. So how long and could your you question, hunt? But your question was what? Uh, my question 30 was, months. I couldn't hunt. 30, 30 months. No, my but question, I, had, okay. I had the indictment took away my weapons. So the indictment in Illinois was yeah. a year long. So when I got in trouble and then I got hit, I actually put a post on Facebook that said, Hey, I know that I've only got September and October to hunt before I get indicted. And I've already pleaded this deal and I should have been able to hunt. I put on something saying, Hey, who's got a hunt that I can go on one last hunt?" And the prosecutor took that into the judge and said, he wants to hunt again. I'm like, yeah, I already just pled the deal. I should get one more month to have a last hurrah. And, and they went in and the judge no holes barred said no weapons he can't even have wow knife. and i couldn't i couldn't leave a 13 county area without permission and i did and i and between the time that they came to my house in november and the time that i got indicted in the other november i had 12 months where i did not have a job did not have a job i sold every math i said i sold every bow that i'd ever had i sold every suit that i ever had i sold all those boats i sold everything but i ha happened to have just a little bitty house i couldn't even pay rent because i couldn't get a job i was charged with two felonies they ruined that year of my life and i was so depressed and at the time i lost the girl that i was going to marry because the family didn't want anything to do with this felon because they sold guns and i was just pretty much kicked out of north carolina was this the low and of low, Chris? The truth of it. 
the low of low that I could ever imagine anything besides drugs. Right. I, I, I could think that addiction and drugs yeah. could just be absolutely amazing, but everything that I'd ever loved, everything I ever worked for, every person that I had in my life, I maybe had four, I maybe had four people that were in my circle circle that were still there. One of them got indicted and busted on a wolf because in trying to give up information on me, they gave up on something that he did by not you know, by a tagging situation. And so he had, he had to deal with all of that. Um, and there was, you know, there was collateral damage from a lot of, because they came after me for a, they went to every person I had hunted. Like, so Jared, you come to my house, they interviewed every person I'd hunted with every outfit I hunted with every outdoor channel, every mossy Oak, every, whatever they said, if you, if you even talk to him, if you even do anything with him, you're dead. They, they, they made sure I had zero money to fight them. Unlike other people that have been indicted on the Lacey Act had the money to fight them because it is about money or information. They want two things. They either want you to help get that other person strung up or they want you to go ahead and fight them with all the money and then pay the big fines. And then you can say you're guilty or not guilty or whatever. And then you can manipulate whatever that is. But whatever's done in the dark will be brought to the light. And I promise you that all of it will be brought to the light in all of our lives. Hmm. And, and that was, that was it for me. And so I just realized real damn quick that my mom was getting older. My dad wasn't, wasn't in good health. And if that wouldn't have happened, I'd have been living in North Carolina and I would have never got to spend time with my mom. That's, that's, uh, she's just fighting cancer right now. It'll take her one day, but, uh, she's my best friend. She's the greatest person I've ever known. And, uh, she's fighting every day, got to spend her birthday yesterday with her. And, uh, and, and we found my dad, uh, two strokes. Um, later uh, on the floor the day before Christmas and while I was on my probation or had just gotten off or whatever, but I would have never had those time with the, and he, we found him and then he, it, I had to essentially pull the plug on him and I would have never been there for all of this. So, um, cause at some point you, you forgave your father, th I assume at, at during some of some time during this, you guys had that yeah, heart it was, to heart it was before. It was before that. No, it was just me. It was just me and talking to God to where I was just like, it was before this, but truly I realized that my time was so much more valuable. I broke down and cried every day because I went through this. I went through this diamond forming purity, but I had, been, I mean, there's a reason I named my show fear no evil, but I didn't know the gospel. And through this diamond forming that he has for me in my life and my mission with men, and, and setting up land and selling land and, and all of this through my ministry. Dude, I, I don't do anything for me anymore. I do it for my wife, my mom, my nephews or whatever. Um, I try to find joy in some things, but I, I can't wait to leave this world. I can't wait to get to heaven. Like, I, like if I get an accident tomorrow, um, driving or I don't wake up in the morning or, or somehow I go, go into stroke and you're like, oh, he's dude, he's made it through everything. He's so tough. He's a tough guy. Guys, I, I'm going to try not to wake up because I love Jesus so much. Like the, I'm there and I would have never been there because I wanted what this world had for me. I wanted what this world had for me. Dude, I wanted that fear no evil suit that I designed from Scentlock. I wanted that fear no evil bow that Diamond let me make. I got all my dreams, you guys. I did everything that I ever wanted in this world at 40 years old, dude. And then I had it all taken away from me and went, what's now what do you want, dumbass? Now what do you want? And I went, man, I want somebody to wake up to. And, and Lord, I'm my, one of my friends, 
from church asked me, do you want, do you want the girl from North Carolina? If you have right now, you're in this little limbo. If you could have Jody back, you can have this girl from North Carolina. Who would you pick? I said, Jody, every time. Because we weren't talking. We weren't talking. And I got her back and I married her. And now we live every day. You know, we don't have any kids and we live every day for the Lord and we'll fight. We'll fight every day and every night, every morning, we, we, every night we go, yeah, let's get up and do it over again. Like we're going to fight till we're dead and she's my best friend or whatever, but we're both kids and we're get through our lives and take care of our older mothers and life's just tough. And it's okay to, to say it's tough. Um, uh, but it's, a uh, it's bad to the bone. I know my mission now. I, I mean, I know my mission. Uh, I'm, I know that it's through the, the podcast that probably will become bigger than that land life will probably become bigger than that. It'll probably be a network of big deals. Like right now, even going to do a consult where I, I've got like five contracts that just came in the last couple of days. So I just started advertising it. And uh, when I go to these people's houses, it, I get to talk to them, man. I get to talk to them and bring them on my team for a year. I get to pour into them. And most of them are, most of them are maybe older. Most of them may be younger, but I get, they get to tell them there ain't nothing you can throw at me that I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna help you. You're my brother. And, uh, but if you, if you're not right for me, I'll be like, yo, here's your money back, whatever. But most of them are not just looking for me to design their land or tell me, tell them how I would look at it. Most of them, they want more than that. I think we all do. I think we all do. And, mm -hmm. and then how to look at like, do you want that 160 or, or what are we really after in our lives? And I, and I know that that's my mission. I know that I got to do yeah. everything that I wanted. So now he can use it for good. It's you know. it's a big discussion, man. Because Jared and I have, um, I mean, I mean, we we love to chase mature whitetails. Like it's it's just awesome mm -hmm. to do. Um, and I, you know, I obviously I'm older than Jared is, and but I think you know Jared kind of had a little bit of that revelation this year after North Dakota when it was like, you know, Jared chasing big bucks in the past few years, um, it it ate you up, and sometimes not in a good way. Sometimes in a good way. But a lot of times, just like frustration, stress, um, yeah, you know, well, it's, it's consuming. I mean, yeah, we've all for anybody that's like got an uh, an addictive personality, like in a good way. It's like, mm -hmm. man, you you just want all of it. You know, you know, yours is sex, drugs, rock mm -hmm. and roll, and in the, the hunting industry, and you know, mine is it's a focus on, on hunt. You know, my wife will, will call me out for she's like, you're you're addicted to this, you know, and so yeah, I mean, you have to just be really. Uh, aware and there are things that I think happen in your life and people that you talk to can point it out for you you know you're, you're close five that are you know watching your six or whatever I mean that's that's huge um is that yeah I mean deer hunting at the end of the day is is such a minuscule part of of life you know so much bigger than that and so you know the fact that you've you know found your calling basically is like man I, I yeah I hope that people uh realize you kind of have to reach the end of yourself before you can uh you know, that could be revealed to you. So that's, that's pretty well, cool. God's still using it through all this hate for me, right? Like, you either love me or hate me. But you hear this, you're like, huh? I'm, okay, fine. Maybe maybe I'll listen to you again. Maybe I'll give him a chance. Or maybe I'll follow him again. I can sit here and listen to you all and day. Then go. I, I, yeah, I mean, I may have talked less on this podcast than any any that we've ever done. It's just like, yeah, your story is uh, it's, it's entrancing. It's, it's cool to see what God has done in, in your life. It's, it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. well, it, it's not about, and so... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, I think it, um, you know, there's been some massive change in your life, Chris. Uh, and people fear change and you know, fear no evil, but people fear, cha fear change greatly. 
Um, but I think it's it's something that we all have to embrace. Well, dude, Chris, that that moment, yeah. uh, you know, you're talking about. Uh, I'll, let me not lose what what it was here. You're talking about that. Uh, you know how you know whatever specific moment it was, but ultimately the the you getting in tr- in trouble for this was like the best thing that ever happened to you because it's like, but mm-hmm. but but leading anything leading up to that that would have been your worst fe- your worst nightmare your your worst fear. My worst fears yeah. came true. My worst, uh, every worst fear. If I wrote them on this piece of paper right now, yeah, literally wrote them down, every one of them, in a very short amount of time. All to show me that, like Acts twenty twenty four, like the way I finished this race, man. That's that's it for me. You know how easy it is for me to kill giant deer, like, mm-hmm. like truly, even through this process, slowed it so far down that I went, well, these these things aren't going to win. And my buddy, my buddy Kirk, told me the other day when he just killed this giant. <clears throat> I'm like, well, he he was gonna he did this all last year and he did this this year and nobody else hunts him and we're the only one hunting him and he goes yes he leaves the property but if you just hunt this deer he's gonna die like they do not win like if you hire me if you were in my circle and we're we're after they're not gonna win like i suck at a lot i got a lot of problems but big deer or finding out how to kill them or teaching you how to kill or mentally get into the zone to go through the things that I did a million times that I was really good at. Those aren't our problems. Mm-hmm. You know, our problems are just that sin, you know, that li- that lust, that prioritizing, that patience, patience is my number one. Patience is my number one. And this, this whole thing taught me to be patient in God's time, not mine. And then the fact that, well, Jeremy's getting a little bit there, but you haven't hit 40 yet, but there's something happens at 40, man. Like when you, if you look at pictures of me before this, my beard was black. My hair was black. Was I, I was healthier on the outside, but my brain and my heart and my soul wasn't, I wasn't wise. And I gave up all of that to now go, well, Don Higgins must thinks I'm a man that plays in women's sports because my ass shoots a crossbow. But I can, I'm one of the one people that can shoot a bow better than I can shoot a crossbow. And to me, it's more about the animal. Like to me, after all of this, it's more about, well, do you respect that thing? Like, are you deadly with a crossbow? Just because they got a crossbow doesn't mean, like, doesn't mean that they're good. Doesn't mean that they know how their broadheads go on or they're doing research or whatever. So I think it's less about the weapon. And I think it's about people being, buttholes about the fact that they don't care about the, the equipment because you can have you can have uh, like my bobby hart muzzler dude shoot so far but at 100 yards i'll i just blew these two does up and it was the most fun moment but even the guys that buy the big equipment even the guys that do all this stuff man they don't do the romance of what it took jeremy 20 years ago that we were seeing in that romantic part of that outdoor industry that those guys all loved the process of it. And so what I learned in all of this is the process. Like I snicker inside when I hear, um, when I hear even some of y'all's things in your discussions and I, it's, it's like watching, and I don't mean this as an older man with a white beard, but I, but I snicker because I was you, I was, I was both of you on both sides. I was, you know, like, I had the same conversations back then, but the problem was, is there, there wasn't a bunch of people to have these conversations with because most of the people weren't where I was. Right. I was a young dude in an industry that was older than me. That was 
fan favorite doing whatever, but I had the energy to do all the stuff and I didn't have the secrets. Like I've never had the secrets. Like I've never had the secrets as far as I didn't have to keep any DUIs. I didn't have to keep my divorces. I didn't have to, my stuff was aired instantly because my whole life was on social media and I was live all the time. And so that was what brought people really close to me that they were let down. And then, uh, you know, I, I don't think the discussions anymore about weapons. I think it's about how much they love those weapons and they love the romance of like making sure those guns are sighted in and then like, Oh, spend the extra money on the shooting of the thing or teaching your kids to properly load these things and sign them in. And do you decock your crossbow every time? Do you keep the strings lubed? Dude, that I'll guarantee you that string lube is the number one most unsold thing on the planet because <laughs> people are assholes. And they don't care about the romance of what they're doing. It doesn't yeah. matter about a crossbow or a bow. Are you waxing your string? Yeah. yeah. Like my bow looks like my bow looks like Willie Nelson's guitar, <laughs> you know, but but the fact is is that he still makes sure it's got strings on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the argument, right? But I think it goes back to deer. I think it goes back to food plots. How deep are you taking it? How much do you truly love it? Because I know my life's fast and my only thing is that I got to slow it down. And I think all these people with land and all this stuff and all this men's stuff and trying to direct our families and kids running around and playing 17 sports, it all comes down to how, how, how are you winning that race? How are you finishing that race? Are you slowing it down? Are you smelling that? You know, the world's telling us to go faster and, and the gospel and our men and our lives should be saying, slow it down, dumbass. Like slow it down. That's it. It doesn't matter what weapon you shoot the deer okay. with. The conversation is shut up. Listen more than you talk. I know I talk a lot, but I got something to say because this is this is what I've been waiting to hear with two people that I trust or, or talk about uh, for people to hear that people, people I trust. But I think the world, if I had to say one other thing is shut up. The, the nature speaking, the deer speaking the crossbows and all the stuff, whatever. It doesn't matter what weapon you use. Really, at the end of the day, they're deer. We hunt them. I don't care if you do it with sticks. doesn't matter what it is. Slow down. Figure out why you're doing it. Because mm -hmm. I didn't know I was doing it, man. I just was pulling triggers, shooting deer to make an end goal to make a TV show. If I made a TV show, cool things were going to happen for me, and I was making my art. But I needed that really cool kill, and I wanted to kill that deer that was over 160, and it pushed me over my limit, and I went, Oh shit, let's get home. But I didn't know about the Lacey Act. If I don't know about the Lacey Act, those deer would have never left there. Yeah. And I would have waited five years and whatever. Like there was ways to get around it. Do you know that Greg Ritz is the one that said, Why didn't you just tell me that you were being blackmailed by your producer with this clip? We would have we would have done something, right? Now, does that mean dirty? I don't know. <laughs> but there were people that had money invested in what me. What does that mean? Yeah, that I would mean, have probably I, made it go away. I'm sure. I'm sure, dude. But, yeah, I mean that was there was a lot people of people with money would have made it go away. They had a lot of there was a lot was of investments agent. on you at that time, you know. Yeah. And so yeah, to figure out how to push it under the rug and make it go away and keep going. Well, in hindsight, one company had to money, do was stand up. I mean, th those are the things though that it's like, you know, write down all the worst fears and stuff. It's like guys live their whole lives, you know, c calling people with money to get them out of problems and, and this and that. And it's like. Mm -hmm. It happened. It happened for a reason, you know. Clearly, I think you can say that on Could the other happen. side of it. I love it, man. But I, I, and there's so now that now that I told this story like publicly, there's so much. There's so much I I want to talk about. Like I, 
I told you how, well, you already knew my character. Like I'm a producer. So I took it really serious. I made sure this was, I sent you a text earlier, made sure it was yeah. what you wanted and whatever. And I take it with serious. And, and, uh, I didn't write anything down cause I'm pretty good at my feet and pretty good at my job, but I prayed through it and I didn't sleep much. And I already had these interviews with you last night in my dream in my weird I know methodical, you, well, you know, I walked properties I know you in my sleep. I told Jeremy whatever. this morning, I said, dude, Chris is taking this really seriously. I was like, this is, he's, you know, it's a, not like it's because it's a big platform or anything, but it's, you're sharing your story and it's like, pe people are going to be impacted by it. And so like, I, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's awesome mm -hmm. that you took it as seriously as you did. And like, I agree. And we appreciate it. Yeah. We take it serious. And I think, no, you, ca no, and I think you killed it. I was I like, mean, dude, if I was listening to this podcast, which I did for the most part, I just sat yeah. here and listened to you. I'm like, Holy shit, that's a that's a great guy. There's a lot to learn here, you know. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, Chris, we we. Uh, I mean, Jared and I used to have these discussions. Just us, right? It was this was our deer camp. It was Jared and I having these discussions every every day, and eventually it was like we need to film these, and we do it because um, number one, I think discussions like this are healthy uh, to to just talk and to to hear it and to get out. But do we do it because we want to find other people? Everybody's different. We'll find other people that have mutual shared relations that we enjoy, whether it's the same viewpoint or a different viewpoint, and just just talk. I, I think <laughs> just, I think everybody I think everybody is having these conversations. You know, whether that's uh, they have the same opinion or it's about the exact same thing. You know, who knows? But people are having these conversations behind closed doors or with close friends, and just I think I'd like I, to think so. At least. I think our podcast is just um, it, it's comforting to know that other people are too. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's kind of what it is for me. Like we've gotten that a lot when people write us and they're like, "I'm so glad you guys are talking about this." Because like, I, I feel that way. Or I talk. We are always talking about this with our group of guys, and we're like, "That's awesome." Because it's encouraging for us too. So I mean, you talk about men and iron, iron shopping, iron and stuff. It's like we're not right about most of the stuff that we mm -hmm. say, probably. Um, but we can confidently come out and have an honest and you know open conversation about it, knowing that other people will be comforted by knowing that the conversation is just happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. At and at the end of the day, uh hum humbleness, right? Yeah. Uh, Humility. Uh, the more we can Yeah. Yeah. Just being humble in whether it be those deer or those moments or whatever. That was the patience thing I was talking about. How do we do that? Still have the conversations you have, but you know, I, I do some stuff on my podcast that I get just to click a bunch of buttons and get some likes and clicks and whatever. And, Heck yeah. you know, do I think Higgins is a little nuts with some of his views? Yeah. But I also know that he watches zero social media on what he does. So like he won't know this unless Terry or somebody sends him this or Wes or somebody, and Wes doesn't even like social media, but like I buy a lot. I spend hundreds of thousands of dollars between uh, for real world and Don stuff, whatever. So if I'm giving these guys crap, it's true. And it's my opinion, and I still spend my money with them. Mm -hmm. Sure, um, I don't work out, so I'm not buying any birthday cake from Bomar uh, stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, I think the the no, funny no, uh, no part is and the no respect nose and the humor. No nose button for you. What I said, no, no. nose button well, on your crossbow. No, because Lee Lukoski, <laughs> Lee Lukoski used to make the greatest nose button. Man, he had this little thing that he would do to bows and uh, tweak them, and he would have a non-movable nose button, mm -hmm. and. Uh, Listen, I don't care if you got 15 nose buttons on there. As long as you're anchored in the same spot, your money. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I'm down with that. Well, guys have been doing that for a long time, yeah. right? The nose button started as just, uh, you yeah, know, just a piece of cord that people would tie around it. Yeah, I mean, extra extra yeah. serving and stuff. Yeah. I My I yeah, my serving. bow tie, Tim, was like, you know, he he's like a 
a pessimist by nature. He's like not impressed as far as the nose button. He's nose like, button. He's, he didn't come up with that. Chris, <laughs> I wanted to ask. Well, you, there's lo- there's there's lots of that, you know. Sure, Chris, I wanted to ask you just because you know, obviously going through that heyday and and your eye for for kind of breaking the mold and and creativity in the content sector. I mean, I don't know how much you pay attention to it now from a connoisseur standpoint, but like, what what, what is your take on on hunting? content because i can't even say tv anymore with the way it's been but like what do you, what's your take on how hunting content is in, in today's society yeah i really wish somebody would have came and take my spot so i don't feel guilty that i have to come back i mean that's that's the honest that's the super honest do you take, feel like right? you have to come back um yeah because no one filled my spot man there was nobody coming up like I really felt that I was removed. Someone would fall in my spot. Never happened. And they would push the limits. Never, every everybody literally found out what happened to me. And I had all these TV guys. The ones that reached out went, "Holy crap! Thank you for bringing this to light. I'm not traveling this November. I'm gonna go through my old library to make sure every tag was done. Because you know, because foils foils had got smoked, and just all these people got smoked and I was just the biggest fish and I was in a perfect situation to not have money to fight it. They had me dead to rights. And I told them the truth and to be at the end of the day, I told them the truth mm-hmm. and they still hunted me for a year. Was that my mistake? Nah, dude, it turned out great. That's a fun story. Right. But, but I think the big deal was, um, how you, you know, how you approach it and, I really wish somebody would have stepped up and they didn't went into protect mode. And at the same time they went into protect mode, those sponsors were so excited that I had screwed up because I just opened up oh, $600,000 for revenue. Mm-hmm. Well, well, the $600,000. Now I spent all of it. It was my first big year. I was actually going to go back to more of an arrow flexion style shooting stingrays and squirrels and crap. And I was just about ready to cash in for my first time ever. I was going to get married and be in North Carolina. And I was going to cash in for 300 plus grand of the budget that I normally spent. I wasn't going to the Vermejo and I had done everything I wanted. It was literally my year to cash in and uh, when everything happened. So no one stepped up. Everybody pulled back. Everybody got scared. The industry people just, as you would know, Jeremy, that it was like, bang, 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 all these left. It was a big situation, a bunch of buyouts. Everything kind of dropped down. It was the perfect timing of the perfect storm. I was, I was a scapegoat. Everybody pulled back in and then outdoor TV, you know, at first, like Chris, uh, the Kiefer's and all these production guys were like, Oh my God, we got to do like a Bryant Gumble bracket, fricking sit down in like, this is gonna be <laughs> the greatest. <laughs> eh. None of them ever did it. Right. Uh, Waddell Cole was like, we be on my podcast. I'm like, yeah, whatever. whatever. Like I'd be on these guys stuff, but I wouldn't really, I, could, I was like, I can't talk about it until July 15th of 2022 or whatever. And, uh, but no one stepped up, man. And outdoor television is crazy because, they have all lost the romance. Oh, if you yeah. guys want to do a TV show, I could teach you how to shoot it. But like, I'm not saying that you guys don't, but I could take a person that came to me and said, I got this money and I go, they're all missing the boat. They all want to use all these different cameras. And if you shout, there was a reason why Shockey and my on every 
fan favorite. And that was because the camera never stopped rolling. If you could flow a camera and back to the animal and back to your hunter, and it was down the arrow or down the gun, in his case, muzzleloader, you won the game, man. There was a, there was a non-recreative thing. And now everybody's got a DSLR and a DSLR. And mm-hmm, yeah. anybody remember when I did arrow affliction with a freaking HC 30 Sony that weighed seven or eight pounds taped to my bow. Oh, oh that was light years before a GoPro or a verb <laughs> was ever done. And I still was able to shoot lights out. And so yeah. the funny part is, is when these guys, oh, if you guys went to the crossbow, uh, crossbow bow thing, I was, I was going to tell you what I normally tell all these guys that, if I'd be in a restaurant or a bar or at a function, they'd be like, I'll bet you I can outshoot you. Hey, grab your bow. And I would put up with it for a little bit and I would just literally say, why don't you grab your bow? I got a thousand dollars. Get me 12 shots with your bow and I will whoop your ass with your own bow. And I would do it. And no one ever took me up on it, but that was always the way to shut them up. But I wish somebody would have taken my spot, man. They still haven't, but maybe that's our, maybe that's, I mean, but that's where we're going. Well, honestly, you know what I mean? like, Chris, I think the spot kind of like it faded away too. Cause like with your exodus, like when that all what was happening, that was also like in our eyes, kind of like the death of like, you know, network outdoor television. Like, yeah, they're still there. And I don't want to discredit, you know, guys that are there, but like, dude, today, I don't know what the they're number is, on. but 40 to 60% of like the outdoor industry marketing budget is probably getting paid to people I, we've never heard of like on sportsman pursuit channel or whatever and uh, that to me and i don't i'm not the only guy i'm just a 30 year old guy and i consume like instagram and tiktok and youtube for the most part that stuff doesn't even exist to me like in my, in my world of like consuming outdoor media like it's it's not there it's not real it's like and that leaves me frankly with a fairly limited pool of media to look at it's like there's guys i think that do it well you mentioned Waddell. Bone Collector's done a fairly good job of adapting some of their stuff to YouTube and stuff. Waddell's got his podcast. That's great. Heartland Bowhunter, I think, has always done a nice job from a production standpoint. You mentioned the Bomars. They've got, you know, your Chris B's, your Sequans. You know, these are the guys that have adapted. They're all younger guys, too, to a generation here where we're consuming it like, like this. You know, people who are listening to this podcast are probably in the same boat for the most part. They're 25 to 45-year-old guys. Who are like, yep, this is, you know, it's your podcast. And like, I don't, what, what else is there for me to get? You know, and it's, it's kind of they depressing. They handpicked you. Yeah, they handpicked. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. They, they, they so they're, you're getting to a la carte handpick now. Mm. You know, before, um, before you got to just, what was on when you turned the you TV got on? Whatever, or you recorded? Whatever was on. Seven yeah, that was it. Dude, man. You were watching it. You yeah, were yeah. watching it. That was it. You were forced, fe- like, this Wednesday. Wednesdays. Here we is. go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And that's how the, you know, that's how the market worked was the only reason that a lot of these people had me around was, you know, I, I didn't realize till later that it wasn't about like, I'm a fair trade guy. Like, I'm like, Hey, listen, I got these numbers and I've got these, uh, social media, uh, they're all organic and and I've got this and what what do you want to see? And I would, they would make me shop them so hard, bro. And then what I, what really happened was is that a mossy oak needed me, and when I say needed me, it's not in a it's not in anything but a business sense where they needed a position a person in my position that had a connection with like a mossy oak uh, needed somebody in a scent lock position mm-hmm. because when vertigo yeah. and mossy oak split in a bad breakup. I was scent locks guy because Pat 
and Andrews and Mike died and and Nick took over and I was their guy. I was the only one to really have. I remember that I can meeting in my eye, Chris. I can remember the commercial where it rack focused to your face, you know. And they, who else did they do? They did Waddell and Munt. Who else was on? Also, the those keepers? guys were after me, but there was a big move when they before Pat Highland and 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 the guys came in there and bought it. It was Andrews and Greg. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Greg that owned it forever that uh, started mm-hmm. it. Oh, uh, starts S. Golly, I, I can't believe that. I haven't said that name, though, in 10 years. So they all did such a great job. But the problem was, is like there were advancements in that old suit. And so I walked in with an Under Armour this and a this and this. And I put it all down. I said, this is going to make the perfect suit. We made the Fear No Evil suit. It was like the Beastie Boys, man. It was too early for the, its time. And so we went, you know, we went that thing. And now they've got suits that are made exactly after that. And so mm-hmm. I got, they got to. They loved my passion so much, and I was hitting enough eyeballs that they made suits that I wanted and that then the consumer wanted, and it was before all the cool stuff now. And um, But those guys did a deal with Mossy Oak that, that just kind of exploded in both their faces, which was the this vertigo. But what, what I really didn't realize about the industry and the money that was traded and, and support teams of it was what the Mossy Oaks really needed was the licensing from Scentlock. Yeah. What Scentlock really needed was the – advertising dollars from that and i was just this pawn in the middle that got to go to the meetings and got to go to the i had to pay for my own hunt of vermejo and whatever and this and that and the whole time i'm going oh i get my dream oh this is great oh i get my little 50 grand okay guys and they're all making all the money yeah but i didn't realize any of this and now that i'm on the other side going uh i'm not doing that again like i'm I'm not doing that again. So that that leads up to what some of the stuff you're talking about. And Jeremy, you were in the middle of some of all that, and you Ugh. know that that's the truth. But there was a lot of us that didn't know that that's how it worked. Well, and I didn't know either when I walked into it, right? I mean, I you know, I I had no idea what I was walking into. I I walked into it pushing the digital side of it when traditional still was the gorilla in the room, um, which was difficult as hell. Um, but it was because I I was hoping that I saw where the wave was going. And so to be it for a lot of that, Chris, I was on the side that was like a minuscule budget, which is so funny because today it's 90 plus percent of the budget. Um, and so, you know, I was fighting yeah. over crumbs watching. I mean, dude, I was at every Golden Moose Award show that you were winning. Like I was there, I was in the stands, mm-hmm. right? I was, I was watching it. It was it was the heyday. There's a drunk guy in the back. Yeah, I was in the back. I was like, "Call oh, Chris Brackett, boo!" <laughs> Full Mill Brackett. <laughs> uh, but you know, you know that that turn, and I mean, what's so crazy about it? And Jared was working for me. That when it flipped, that switch hit so fast that I don't think the industry's ever recovered from it. Like we still today nope. don't have an identity anymore. Well, dude, how quickly did those Golden nope. Moose Awards die? Was it a matter of like two years? It was just like done. It's over. It went from like I mean, the biggest thing to like I can't even remember. Nobody when the, goes. The last, the last. I mean, it was way before. Was it 2018 or ni- 2018? Maybe it was the last like real Golden Moose Awards. Dude, Not I like really. I don't. There wasn't. We won the last ones that would, took place like literally one was during the day, and it was just the producers, yeah. and we like won best audio yeah. and best something else, and I was like. Ooh, great. Half the people didn't even go. Yep. I think we just picked up our trophies. And then later at night, it was like some type of cocktail thing, but they only did like five awards. And the last one was the one that we won 
the last big one was the one that we won something big and that was the one where trump spoke after mm-hmm. or i won best new mm-hmm. show or something was that and, when and, uh, uh literally was big and rich played no that was or, no uh, i think that might or fogarty uh fogarty played at one <laughs> big and rich played it at... i thought big and rich did the well, one the... with trump maybe i thought well the one that zach brown did that oh, was the one where yeah. we traded airtime for zach to play correct and then when we split my ass was in the back with you <laughs> no i'm just i was way <laughs> in the back they didn't have a chair for me <laughs> standing and, uh, room only and back zach there. was up front and then he played he played the he played that night and yeah. then the crazy part was is that there, everyone realized at the outdoor channel that all the stories i had about how you know zach was so famous that you can't you can't i've I watched two of my friends go to the 20 30 40 million dollar club and i watched them change into like that lawyer movie devil's own like they're experimenting with how much stuff they can get away with and don't have anybody here look me look mr brown in his eyes type thing you know and uh it was like jeff wayne and these other people were literally like hey man um we're real sorry for treating you like garbage for three years uh we realized that it wasn't you um welcome back and then the next year we were up in front and then and and it was then we won that award but the, the greatest award was when one Waddell was the host and he gave away every award. And when Craig Morgan, because he is a really pretty good friend, yep. uh, we've been through a lot together. So Craig all of a sudden walks out and to present the next award, Mr. Craig Morgan. And Craig walks out and I looked at my row and I went, We won this one because they're not going to let Waddell give me <laughs> the award because he, him and T Bone were talking bad about me on internet when it first started. And I just the internet? did a Chris Brackett move and went, I don't give a shit where you're from in Booger Bottom, but the way we do it here is I'll meet you out back behind the behind the school and beat your ass. And so I literally challenged him to a cage match on social media and blew up. And Matt Jury still looked at, I forget who he was talking to, and Matt Jury goes, yeah, that guy might be crazy, but he's a genius. And you knew how I was maybe because I told Waddell I'd kick his ass, and then Waddell agreed to it, and then Waddell had the other guy, uh, Jim Schiffelbein, and Jim Schiffelbein had a meeting with my wife, and we were setting up the whole damn thing. He, Jim told Jody she was going to be a ring girl, and we and I, I didn't go out to the bars. I had a, I had hired a security guard to keep people off me. It was one of my buddies, but he was security, but it was more like to keep – just to keep things cool because if i was by myself people would want to say stuff and i didn't want to get in a fight and it was in nashville and i didn't go out and i was at the we, we just went to the downstairs and the craziest part was is that we were in this giant beef bone collector and chris brackett uh you know whatever air affliction fear no evil at the time both of them and uh <laughs> we were all at breakfast together and i was late to breakfast and my guy and he had brought a bouncer and i had brought a bouncer and they were sitting there and my wife and them was like well, there they are. And we're just going to keep, it it was pretty damn heated. It was pretty ridiculous for the outdoor channel. Like you have thought we were, I don't know, WWF is the stupidest shit, but it's funny to talk about now. And my dad would probably laugh and he's like, yeah, I would have been, I'd have been like, yeah, I'd have been his ass. And and we were, they were all breakfast and I came walking down. Well, my, this is the craziest part. My security guard, like this guy's like six, seven, three 30 jacked, yoked out. A guy that looks like his twin. Now, now this Jim Schiffelbein and me were we're all from Illinois within an hour or two of each other. Oh yeah. So Jim brings a guy from up north, just south of Chicago, 
up north LaSalle, he brings a guy with, and they're sitting, they're sitting like back to back, two booths away. And they look like cookie cutters, two guys, two Marines. <laughs> one's my guy, one's my bouncer, one's Waddell's bouncer. They're all eating. I'm late. And I walk the two bouncers hugging each other. And I'm like, what is going on? And those two ended up being Marines together. And my guy taught the other guy how to do what they're doing, bouncing and stuff. And I'm like, well, this is stupid. And I'm like, that's the guy that you guys know that you're here for each other. Right. He's like, oh, well, nothing's going to happen with us. And then that's when we met Shippelbein at the bar while Waddell was out on the Nashville scene. And the crazy part is, is Jared heard this. My wife will stand here right here next to me and go, yep. Hey, tell him about this part. And it's, it's WWE dude. And, and, it's the funniest shit ever. It literally is the funniest stuff that you've ever heard in your life. But about dude, that all these was little intricate little stories. That was the show scene. Like ATA and Shot Show that were like, it. I mean, it was wild. And like, you know, I still go. It's painful anymore. Like ATA this year, I don't know, man. It's depressing, uh, which I hate because I love yeah. the archery industry. That show was everything to your point when you were like, man, this is all I want to be. When I walked into that show with my own business, to do marketing in the archery industry mm -hmm. was everything I ever imagined it be. <coughs> we're we're going to go this year, right? For probably. A day, maybe for a day or two? Yeah, probably. I'll go with you. Uh, truthfully, I'll go, go with you. We'll go with you. Yeah. 1,000%. 1,000%. Uh, honestly. I'll, it's in St. Louis. We make a shot, but, you know. This may be the first year that, like, I, I feel like going out of, like, obligation to just other people. Like, I used to go because it was, like, I wanted to take something from it, you know? Well, I want the industry oh, to survive, man. I'll, they'll still give me a press room, dude. They'll still give me a press room, dude. We will go and have whoever in there and do whatever. We'll do a live Hunter Land Life collab, dude. And we'll just have everybody. Everybody wants to talk to me. There you go. No, I'm not going to punch them in the face. <laughs> We're like, past that stage. You're past it. I'm not going to punch you. Like my wife might. No, she's pretty feisty. She's like those little white rabbits that uh, attack she's people cool. on Monty Python, man. It, it is cute. like um, if I have a concern, and it's why I kind of asked about the content, um question and, and it ties into the industry side is like i remember how strong and again at the grand scheme of things we're still we were small like it sounded awesome we were still a small industry we pack it all into one place it feels yeah. big but if i look at how i feel about the industry now man i'm i'm concerned um because i there mm -hmm. was that like just just that that funnel of, of unity and pa even differences amongst you and bone collector and whoever, like everybody was in there because there was just, uh, it was just a powerful, like thriving community. Mm -hmm. And now when I walk mm -hmm. into quote ATA show, like the last, it's like ghost town. Yeah. And it's scary. Well, it's not, it, wh it's, where's it going? It, it's not that I don't think those people are out there. It's just like, you know, financially it doesn't make sense for them to be there, like, business-wise. It's not where their buyers and stuff are at. It's just it's the show has become irrelevant from that standpoint. It's not a business show anymore. Right. But, I mean, like, the what I haven't understood, and, I I mean, we've complained to AT, ATA about this in the past, is like, dude, anymore, like, it used to be, yeah, I need to talk to my dealers and stuff. Now it's like. The, the we just want an excuse to get together. The end, consumer, the end consumer is the buyer now, right? You yeah. don't have to go sell. You just sell yep. direct to them. Like, why aren't they in there? Why aren't they feeling, filling the rows up and like, I mean, dude, it's January. We all just came out of a, a massive draining time frame of hunting. We're entering this dark winter period. Like, 
drive I us bet it forward, would be huge. man. I bet it would be bigger than any of these other uh, consumer shows now. If they open that up to the public and, and we could get a solid uh, presence from just industry folks, oh, it'd be packed. And it would be, it'd be amazing. Well, that's it'd that's be where Outdoor Channel and Sportsman's needs to put it on. And then they need to have the the podcast uh, around that. You know, Mitch Petrie's a guy that can make that happen. I mean, those guys are looking for yeah. an excuse. We need to, to have Mitch do on. Do something, but you would have to call it something different. Yeah. You yeah. have Mitch on. He's a uh, dude. He's salt yeah. of the earth. Yeah. Uh, he's awesome. He reached out. We're gonna follow yeah. up with him. Yeah. I mean, it, it's something that's that I think could happen fairly easily, and it would be to your. It'd be awesome. It'd be all about it. It'd just be it'd be the right guy. It would be a giant podcast like this of all the people with differing views and the right mindsets and just, I mean, that energy would feed us through the rest of the year. You're, well, like, you know, like Jared texts me, hey, you just want to be the first ones to welcome me back or whatever. So, like, <laughs> listen, man, I'm I'm all about knocking down, I'm all about knocking down walls, doing whatever. Like, I can, I'll I'll lead the surge. I'm not making any decisions or spending any money because I don't have any money yet. But uh, mm-hmm. well, dude, but, one, one you know, thing I do want to pursue with you, it we'll figure it. like this this thermal drone survey type thing between both of mm. our podcasts and a platform to like give factual like actual numbers and insight. Oh, dude, I'm I'm like a mad scientist on this thing. We're right in, now. buddy. Yeah, you name it. We're we're, we're in on Chris Brackett. So, yeah, <laughs> if you're yeah, cool. there's stuff you want to do, we're we're all about it. And I told you with the podcast and stuff. I'm gonna, it's like our setup's not super fancy. I'm going to officially say. Well, you the, I'm going to write that down and you guys are going to come come do more stuff with me. It's on the record here, really buddy. Wanna, It'll be on the, the internet. On the record. <laughs> Everything's on the true record. on the so internet, if right? We're fans. I, if you guys were fans, I want to officially apologize <laughs> for being out of out of pocket, out of line. And uh, if I was an asshole to you, well, there could have been a reason, but I was still in fault, and I'll take all the blame. I will, ha- I will hold all the stuff on my shoulders. I'm a big guy, and this isn't my home, and I just want to apologize to anybody out there that loved me and you thought I let you down. If you, if I met you in a bar and I was doing being too brass because I had to be a character for a sponsor or some people or whatever, man, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like life's too short to be crazy. Like I, I still get mad every day at all kinds of people, but I'm I'm broken. Like we're broken, so I I just want to apologize. Like it's a uh, just forgive me. Uh, let's. Uh, I, I'd love to have more clients with the game changer stuff. You know, I mean, I'm I'm on here, so I might as well. I do. I do game changer land management stuff where I come to your farm. I do consults and I do online stuff through Whitetail Land Life, and I do a podcast which is Chris Brackett's Land Life podcast on. What are you guys on Spotify and Apple? And, yep. Yeah, uh, dude, I've watched yeah, a places. bunch of your clips, and you know, I don't know if you. Um, I assume you're kind of like Jared, and I. You just kind of sit down, and whatever's you know in the head, you kind of just start going down. I mean, you've got some pretty. I mean, stuff that no, not patting ourselves on the back that I find attractive from a hunter side. I find on your podcast that I'm like I'm tuned into this clip, and I'm like. All right, Chris is on to something here. Where's he going with it? All right. I, like, there's something here, man. And then you lost me for a minute. I'm like, okay, now, now we're back. <laughs> we're coming I, back. We're coming back. Yeah. I dig it, man. I, I dig it. I got a fear. I got I to gotta get my – one thing I learned real, real quick about my – like my mom and the mentality of all of us, I, I figured out that she wants me to do what I love. And I forgot what I loved because I, it wasn't time. It was, everything's in timing. And so even this is in timing. And so for me is I realized that I loved sharing. 
I love telling my crazy stories and you know, my molecular structure of the deer and how I visualize and how I walk through how the deer walk through the woods or whatever. And, and I realized I just loved helping people. And I realized that they couldn't shut me up if I just hit record and bought the right production stuff and, and did it. And so, uh, I just don't, I don't see the podcast going away. I see it just growing into maybe even a show. Maybe Mitch goes, yo, dude, you already told your story or whatever. Like, we're just waiting for that. Like, uh, Hey, I got some, I got some sponsor money that the, and there's a lot of sponsors out there right now that I know could benefit that go. Okay. All right. You told your story or whatever. Let's make all those hundreds of terabytes of footage that Jared's seen in my closet and go, let's edit those and make this big deal. Hey, if you guys ever want to get real crazy, put Nick to work or whatever. And um, I would love to take all the seasons of Arrow Affliction, all the seasons of Fear No Evil and get it on YouTube or some channel and uh, and just get it so people can see it because they're just sitting in the closet right now getting dust, dust on these these drives. Yeah. So... Heck yeah. That's one of my missions in life. Well, dude, I mean. Well, I appreciate you having me on, man. I, here, I'll say this, dude. Like, on, on behalf of, you know, us, not that we're in a place together. On behalf together, of Hunter. Like, <laughs> I'll have a bus, and I think, yeah, we'll, we'll speak for everybody that's listening here. It's like, we forgive you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, a, a, dude. Yeah, apology accepted, you know, from, uh, certainly from Jeremy and I's standpoint, and I think having heard this, like, boy, yeah, you've, uh, you've earned forgiveness, so. Well, and I'll I'll add not to yeah. like bring him into this mix, but you know, and I Jared and I pay attention to a lot of the comments that we get and stuff. Um, you know, we had we had Bomar on. We talked to Bomar for a long time. Um, y- you know, nothing against Josh by any means because I think Josh is Josh and Chris Brackett's Chris Brackett. Um, mm-hmm. y- you're you're very humble to talk to Chris, um, and. I don't know. We've probably crossed paths in the early mid two thousands, and I probably got the taste of non humble Chris Brackett. You got the booyah, Chris the booyah, Chris Brackett for <laughs> sure. I got the full you chops. Got the I got there. the full <laughs> chops on that one. Um, but but I say that because, dude, listening to you talk, um, you know, it, it it's it's not an easy thing for people to admit flaws and mistakes. Um, I would say, especially after probably coming, you know, from that that Chris Booyah bracket, you know, background and mindset. Um, but I like I didn't feel any of this was. It was just you talking to us. Like there was no eh, Chris might have rehearsed that, or he may have said that because there there inevitably, dude, will be people that just say to Jared's pointer, I can't believe you're giving this guy a platform, or he's a poacher, or wh- whatever. Um, we're all human, right? And and for you to just lay it out and say, look, here's the truth, guys. Like, screwed up. Here it is. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how people will react to that. You know, people will say what they'll want to say, but I I personally feel like, damn man, like I feel great about this conversation. <laughs> it's Me cool. Too. It's you cool. Know, you know, you know how it feels like to get it off my chest and like tell it real. And I'm so glad with Jared per pursuing it to break down my wall and i appreciate what you're saying about humbleness cool the cool part is is no matter what i'm gonna i'm gonna go call my mom when we're done with here i'm gonna see my wife tonight we're gonna try to get along all night <laughs> um and i'm gonna try to sell a piece of land i'm gonna go take care of these clients i'm gonna go cut up some does tonight to give them to whatever the great part about where i'm at in my life is you you can either get in the truck with me 
but the truck's driving to where the truck's driving. Chris Brackett's going where he's going. And when I'm laying on my deathbed or what, when I'm taken out of this world, it's going to be just me and Jesus anyway. So it's like, wherever I'm going, you're welcome to get in. But if you're going to have, you know, if you're not going to be there for us to win or have conversations or be open, we're probably not going to get along. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate anybody that accepts it, sees a change or whatever. But, but the, the, the hard part, a lot of times from the comments are like, um, they make sure, make I don't know. I think this is to me too. If you pay, I get comments all the time that say like, I'm proud of you. Like, and and you're like, well, stand alongside side of me, get off your soapbox to like, forgive me. Like you guys didn't do it, but I'm just telling people if they approach or they listen to this and they comment or whatever, I love it when they stand next to my side, like a brother and not stand over there going, I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud yeah, of you. On the high horse. Basically. Wow, dude, it's, it's just on such a, high horse, it's man. such a, such a poor uh, intake. You know I mean? It's like literally well, we can just do better for all of us. Right? Oh yeah, dude. Absolutely. Just... I mean, this world is a shit show right now. Like, yeah. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. it just is. And you know, selfishly part of this podcast that we do, not just the Chris podcast, but all of this stuff is, and you said mm-hmm. it earlier, Chris, about the like the nostalgia of kind of things that we do, dude. My my f- most fond memories in life are from deer camp with my dad and my grandpa and my cousins mm. and my uncles and the conversations and you know I've got old school videos that you know just by myself usually every November I watch hours of like shitty film, but uh, to <laughs> take myself back into those things is uh, is a really strange place. And I'm, I'm searching for that now. When you say like, what, you know, what do you, why do you hunt? Why do you do things? I've struggled with it over the last decade, you know, in in terms of why do I hunt? Why do I'm looking for that? And it's hard. I don't know where I find it. I don't find it in many places. I find it at Kansas deer camp. You know, I find it in certain places hunting with my kids, but it's, it's, it's very far out of reach in everyday life. You are so blessed to be in that spot because that's the journey spot. The journey spot is the best spot because when you get to the end, you look back and the journey spots like you relive in that brother, brother, that's, that's where it's at. Mm -hmm. So like you guys have a home at any of my farms or any of my places come bring the kids this summer, catch fish, stay at the Airbnb and whatever. But uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, we appreciate it, dude. Very much. Right on. The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Muddy and Stealth Cam Trail Cameras. Cell cams, cell cams, cell cams. What an evolution the industry has seen. And we've experienced personally over the past five, ten, you know, whatever. Cameras were invented, right? It's like, man, it's totally changed the way that we inventory deer, pattern deer, and ultimately the decisions that we make when we're going out to hunt. They're a serious piece of the puzzle. And, and uh, you know, that information is invaluable for us. We trust the Muddy and Stealth Cams, you know, together to be able to, to collect any of that information. Yeah, I mean, as an admitted trail cam addict, you know, I've definitely been guilty of of under hunting places or relying too heavily on that information that's come in that said it's an invaluable tool to the overall management plan and strategy that i have for my own properties or even hunting public land it doesn't matter we have a finite amount of time in going out and hunting so when you and i are after a particular class or quality of deer usually a mature buck we can't waste time hunting an area where that deer doesn't exist. And those cell cams provide that information that allow us to spend the time in the area with the highest chance to accomplish our goals. I say it all the time, man. They can't kill them if they're not there. That's it. So right now, any of our listeners can use uh, code HUNTER20 to get 20% off either muddy or stealth cameras. Uh, we're certainly going to be taking advantage of that, and we hope you guys do too. Yep, check out Stealth Cam and Muddy. Chris Brackett, everybody. Five years later. Yeah, there he is. 
Yeah, wow. I mean, we, we you know, talking about that and, yeah, I mean, seems like a pretty changed guy. Um, you know, and I'm sure, like, I mean, like he said, it, it took everything from him. Girl, money, job, hunting, guns, weapons, like everything. Yeah. Wiped them out. Yeah. I mean, if that... It's hard to if, imagine. If that doesn't, you know, set you on a course to change, I don't know what else would. Well, you kind of have, you have no choice, ultimately. I mean, you're, you're forced into that point. It's, it's boy. I mean, that's, it's got to be rock bottom from that standpoint. I mean, I realize, you know, like you said, with drugs and, and maybe there's other stuff that physically is worth could almost kill you. But like, dude, there's, whether it was us or some people were for sure, like, dude, that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that makes you like kill yourself. Like that's, that is a low point. You look, yeah, I mean, everything you've done your entire life is now taken away from you. And where do you the, go? Man, the gravity of that is like, sh- should be considered like just, it's easy to say like, that's a low point. You lost everything, but it's like literally the guy's life was built on like his passion. His dream mm-hmm. was to be great at outdoor television and to, and to, and have a lot of success like hunting and like to, to be in the position he was, he's like, that's the American dream is how he said it. Mm-hmm. And to, to not only have it taken away, but to be like essentially shamed or like, uh, yeah. Ban- banished essentially is that's the, that's even worse what's so hard about it is like you hear the story and i'm like eh, you know i almost like want to feel bad for the guy but like he knowingly did it to himself and he knows that yeah um, pulled the trigger that second time so it's like how do you like you know kind of even at the end there like i appreciate his humbleness now and and his transparency in it um you know I, you can't feel bad for him. He doesn't feel bad for himself. He did it. Oh yeah. He knows it. Yeah, yeah. Um. And so it's it's a weird it's a weird thing. And then like to to his point, like I mean, because I have been following some of Chris's clips and stuff here on his podcast. Like, where do you go from here? How, how do you can you make a comeback? Can you come back into this thing? What are people gonna, What are people going to watch this? Like, we clearly have talked to Chris. We see this. We hear the story. We believe he's a changed guy. Um. Clearly, people that watch this are still going to say, "Got dude's a poacher." Sure. Like, why would you put him on here? Well, Broke I mean, the law. yeah, we, we all need to like probably just get off of our high horse and like stop acting like we've never done anything wrong. Sure. And just you know, admit that we we all do you know bad you know we've all done wrong stuff. Like we've all made mm-hmm. mistakes, and and you know, knowingly or unknowingly. You know, the reality is like I don't think Chris cares. You know, it's it's he's he's it's moved on. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think he. He had a sincere apology there, and, and but now moving forward, it's just like you know whether you believe him or, or don't believe him, you know you know fine. Like he said, Chris Brackett's going where Chris Brackett's going, and um, which I kind of love. I love it. I mean, yeah, that's, uh, I'm I'm intrigued. We're not doing this it. for anybody else's affirmation either. You no. know, I mean, it's you <laughs> know, and and hopefully you know we, we don't make a, a mistake like that. You know, at uh, in the position even that that we're in with the eyes and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know. Obviously, he got made an example of 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 who he was. Um, do you think it was too harsh? Well, I mean, personally, and I have a lot of respect for like law enforcement and stuff. Obviously, I think laws are important, and and the people that enforce them are, you know, whatever. But uh, I I think there's a lot of looking at people like Chris Backett as big bucks. I mean, that he's two hundred inch deer. You know what I mean? And they're going to hunt him. Can we take him down to the point where I mean? how many other guys in the state did probably the exact same thing or, or way worse that like, you know, who, who cares, you know, right. or it's just, we're not going to catch them anyways. 
So, I mean, that's the responsibility that comes with having a platform, and like, and sure. we have that responsibility. We talked about that not long ago. I mean, in in all reality, like, I wanted to get a thermal drone to go find that buck I hit, mm-hmm. you know, a month ago, mm-hmm. and the reality is it's illegal. And mm-hmm. if had I not had this platform, yeah, I probably would have did it. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do, write me a fine? Okay. Who's going to know? But I found my buck. Even if you caught me, you write me a fine, I found my buck. In fact, Yoder's like, man, I kind of wish you did it because then maybe we take we this find out if it is actually. Yeah, but like the reality is of having this podcast and being who we are, like I can't, man. There's a giant target on my back. Like they're not going to just find me; they're going to make an example of me. Yeah, and I don't necessarily blame them. Like you know, if eyes are on us, and, and I'm not an even a booner, Nick. I mean, you know, brass yeah. gets a two hundred. Pope and young at best, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Jeez. But yeah, it's yeah. a it's a weird situation there. Um I do want to uh, want to have Chris back at some point or whether it's ATA like this discussion in the industry and the content. I wanted to hear his story. So that that's kind of what this was about and really Chris telling us what, you know, what is Chris Brackett? Where where is he? But the the side of the industry and what Chris has gone through, um very intimate knowledge of that and now what it is today, where it's going. There, there's, there's a big discussion around that, and it's not that everybody listening to this is is going to necessarily be in the industry side of it, but on the content side of it, like how we are consuming content, what is content, what is the future of that stuff? Because content doesn't get made without money, right? And what are these sponsorships look like? They don't look like the hundred thousand dollar deals Chris Brackett got to make awesome content to put on network TV. It's fives here, threes here, you know, free product there. At some point. There's going to be a clash, I think, that there won't be great content unless the industry changes how it starts to invest in that content. Well, I mean, I think if there's a demand for it, you know, p- people will find a, a way to, you know, uh, you know, m- make it make sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like uh, just there's people that love it. Like, you know, we do the podcast because we lo- like you said, yeah, we're, we don't. we're having these conversations sure. anyways. Like and we don't do it because people are paying us to do it. We do it, you know. That's what you know. We do it yeah. for. I guess I'm thinking like hunting content. And if yeah, and yeah. I know like well, hunting, it, pu- hunting public does it, mm-hmm. and they make money from YouTube and these. But first of all, that that could be risky. We don't know how long that's going to last. And they do have sponsors. Like there are sponsors that back right. hunting public that p- pay them to do. Well, stuff, at the so. end of the day, you know, finances are a necessity of you know of life. And yes. If, you know, if you're going to run it as some sort of a business, which it's you, why the heyday of the outdoor yeah. network and content was so great is there was money flowing into it to these producers like Bracket to make awesome content. A lot. To make lot Waddell and Lee and Tiffany and Drury's and all of these guys. The reason we had that is that they were making money. Those guys aren't making money like they used to. It's it's gone. Oh, definitely. And so with that is a sacrifice of this content. Now, there's other avenues. YouTube, we're doing it right now and these other places. But yeah, I, I just, I wonder how long we can... How long we can do? Because you and I talk all the time. It's like, and it's not saying that people don't make great content, but I watch a lot of YouTube content and then it's gone. Like, what else do I watch now? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm waiting for stuff to come out. It, it doesn't seem like there's enough to feed the beast, basically. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I could sit and be, con- you know, uh, constantly entertained by. I mean, I and I did for a long time. I would sit down, you know, every Monday when Midwest Whitetail would drop, and then I would. You know, growing deer would drop on Tuesday, and I would go. You know, whatever it was, and I would in between. I could stockpile it with all of the, the in between, and it's yeah, it's just it's dried up. The money's dried up. The, the you know the network model has kind of dried up. We've somewhat transitioned to like a digital age, and there's you know we're out here making con- as are several other guys. You know, this podcast, other guys are still making shows and stuff, mm-hmm. and 
So it's here. It's just kind of, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like we kind of need like a revival. And uh, Maybe that's what we call it, Nick. Call it the revival. Bring it back. Yeah. It would well, be cool as shit, man. If we it, brought a consumer show that was like ATA with the right companies, with the right personalities, and you've opened the doors to the end consumer, the bow hunter. It would be awesome. It would be awesome. But it is tied to the conversation that we have about around access and around... Just from a community standpoint? Maybe? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, so, so the conversations that we have a lot are around, you know, this legislation that's getting passed, the access mm-hmm. uh, issues or possibilities that exist. Like, you know, all of these things here, I think is a direct le- reflection of kind of like the, the state that we're in with, with the industry as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope I hope at the end of it, you know, there's a, there's something healthy from, from an industry standpoint and from a content cons- consumption model. Um, I guess all the... All we can do in the meantime is keep talking. Yep. We'll keep producing. So, anyways, we appreciate you listening to episode 161 with Chris Brackett, and we'll catch y'all next week. Later. It's take me. Home.